All right, Truman, I'm gonna need some of that sound effects again. That that sweet Christmas sound effects. I gotta start. I gotta start charging you to do this, man. I mean, my instrument has value here. I can't just be given this this you, gold you work away for, for us. free. Well, okay, okay. I, I guess that I guess that's fair. I, although I have those checks have have been bouncing uh, mighty frequently. Uh, well, what do you want though? Tell me what you were looking for. I well, I, well the patented Truman Caps Christmas sound effects. <laughs> All right, here here we go. Jingle bells coming right up. Shing 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 shing. Are you gonna start talking or anything, or am I just doing this? It's just doing that. This is just the episode. Is this just your the the whole episode is just you talking about the movie and me providing that kind of undertone. Well, because we, I well, listen. I wanted to do a little tricksy on you because we're covering a movie today called Christmas with the Pranks. Uh, oh, 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 Landon, Landon, I'm, I'm very concerned that you may have watched the wrong film this week. Uh oh. It may, it may be one of those, it may be one of those mockbusters trying to cash in on the, on the uh, Christmas with the Cranks mania that swept America oh, in no. 2004. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because that's that's what we actually watched. It was not. It was not the jackass Christmas special Christmas with the pranks. It is the movie about a jackass Christmas with the cranks. Are you cranking my yank? I'm I am not I'm not cranking your yank nor am I yanking your crank. Um yeah, this call is not a prank. Uh <laughs> I, we we just talked a whole lot about rapping in our nights episode and now I'm saying a lot of rhyming words and I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared of of if the rhythm is going to take me. Um this brings us Oh, it doesn't though. It it doesn't bring Don't us anywhere. Don't you love how I cancel out my own thought before it leaves my mouth? Listen, uh, you know that reindeer got lost in the snow. You need you need it Rudolph did. to to pull your train of thought. I was gonna say this completes our Tim Allen Christmas uh, franchise, but it doesn't because no. there's still El Camino Christmas that we will not be covering. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess, but. It's another Don't. Christmas movie. I I, I <laughs> admire. I really do admire that at this point, Tim Allen is already. He's been in at least one, maybe two movies in which he literally plays Santa Claus. But he's like, no, that's not enough. Get me in more Christmas movies. I'm gonna and, and start me a series where I'm playing Santa Claus. I I mean, it's just, he really is doing the same thing that Mariah Carey has done just with a lot mm. less success where it's like I'm going to be, you know, she's the queen of Christmas, he like wants to be the king and has Well, I'm wondering, can should we, I mean, listen, I don't like Christmas anyway, so naming him the king of Christmas has zero effect on me, but uh is there another actor who has been more associated with Christmas than Tim Allen? Uh uh, uh well, uh, uh Mr. Potter, I, I could think of of one actor <laughs> Okay, who, uh... now listen. He was in It's a Wonderful Life. That's one movie based at Christmas, but if you watch the movie, there's so little Christmas in that movie. Yeah, but the Christmas that's... I mean, but also, if you watch Silence of the Lambs, there's so little Dr. Hannibal Lecter in that movie, but he casts... <laughs> his his vibe permeates, as does Christmas's vibe in It's a Wonderful Life. I agree, right. it's just it's just one movie, but, like, it, it packs enough of a wall up, maybe because it's just the only black and white movie that a lot of people watch in their lives. Hmm. Um... I, I don't know. Tim Allen is trying harder to be associated with Christmas than I think anyone. Yeah. Who, I just don't know who else there would be. Yeah, I can't picture anyone who has done five separate Christmas movies and a Christmas, a two-season Christmas series. I mean, 
Not counting, I don't even know if there are like Toy Story Christmas shorts, which seems like there would be. That, that you're leaving money on the table if you don't do that. I mean, the last scene in Toy Story takes place at Christmas. Technically, it's a Christmas movie. You can't say it's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Watch me. I'm stoking the fires of internet discourse. We're gonna get an extra two <clears throat> weeks out of this shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just funny though that also that he's trying so hard to be the Christmas mascot when like the 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 man who you typically associate with Christmas is Santa Claus, who is very jolly and charitable and good natured, and then the characters who Tim Allen tends to play are the opposite of that. Always, yes. they're always. Cranky, mean-spirited people. And this movie, I have to say, is one of the most anti-Christmas movies. Like, is not it, though? I no, don't. Well, I, we'll I, get there. Oh, oh we're going we're gonna to fight. We're going to fight. I think this movie is diametrically opposed to the very nature and meaning of Christmas. <laughs> and it doesn't, uh, un, doesn't hmm. seem to realize it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it's going to be listen, spicy. I, I've, got a, I've got a very spicy personal opinion coming up. Um, oh. But... <clears throat> this we'll movie get there is in great. due time. Okay. We are watching Christmas with the Cranks today. Oh. And uh, Truman, why don't you give the folks a little idea of what this movie is all about? Uh, Landon, that is that I'm honored for this to be my Christmas gift to you and the listeners. This is all I got you, by the way. Okay. When Luther and Nora Crank, played by Home Improvement's Tim Allen and True Lies' Jamie Lee Curtis, send their only daughter off to the Peace Corps for a year, these new empty nesters are depressed at the prospect of a solo Christmas in snowy Riverside, Illinois. When Luther realizes it'd actually be cheaper for them to go on a tropical cruise over the holidays instead of engaging in all the annual Christmas gift-giving and rigmarole, they decide to skip Christmas entirely much to the consternation of their neighbors, led by Vic Fronmeyer, played by Soul Man's Dan the Croyd Ackroyd. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't yeah. begrudge... I mean, we appreciate your synopsis. I don't begrudge you any points in it. Uh, oh, oh. I do think it emphasizes things that the movie doesn't bore out exactly the way you've balanced them, but that's okay. That, the, we'll, look, we'll, we'll crack that open. My, my, much like my experience going into this movie, the synopsis I gave you is kind of the impression of what you f get for what the movie is about from the trailer or the poster <laughs> yes. or the basic yes. concept. That yes. is what I will say. This movie was directed, uh, well, it came out in 2004. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so this is before, I, well, I don't know where this exactly falls into Tim Allen's career. It's it's a little strange. Um this, this little pocket he has here because he had a, a string of movies that didn't do too well. Uh, yeah. Joe Somebody, mm -hmm. um, which came out, was that one derailed by 9-11 as well? Uh, <laughs> but that came out right before 9-11, I think. And then would, Big Trouble would, came out and was completely derailed by 9-11. <laughs> I would love it if Tim Allen had yeah. had multiple movies. Like his, like his entire career was, was attacked by terrorism. <laughs> It kind of because this uh, Joe somebody came out in two thousand December twenty first two thousand one. Mm -hmm. Then Big Trouble came out uh, was supposed to come out in twenty twenty one. It was derailed until twenty twenty two and the, or two thousand one and came out in two thousand two. Jesus Christ! I had yeah. twenty years of that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I well, I mean, probably look probably one of his movies uh, like he was in some wacky comedy about a guy who tries to storm the United States Capitol that was set to release on January tenth, twenty twenty one. Just knowing his luck, and then the Santa Claus two comes out in two thousand two. So 
that's the last movie he does before Christmas with the Cranks two years later. So <laughs> it's an odd little like place for him. He does. Okay. Let's just go through this. Okay. Home Improvement ends 1999. Yes. 1999 also has Toy Story 2. Bam. Yeah. Big year for him. Huge. Also, whoa, big surprise hit. Galaxy Quest comes out in 1999. Wow. Look at wow. Tim Allen being the top person ever. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. That's a direct quote from Landon Solano. You can quote him on that. Tim Allen, top person ever. In, in 1999. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Suck it, Nelson Mandela, who was alive that year. <laughs> So then what does he go into? Who is Cletus Tout? It's this little tiny indie film, crime film, co- crime comedy. Is is that um, is, is that a sequel to Who's Harry Crumb? It's, it's in the same universe. <laughs> the, the, the shared cinematic universe of wanting to know who the title character is. Uh, so in 2001, he does that. And then uh, Joe Somebody, it looks like he's just trying to like, and this is speculation, but like, what what is my post-TV movie career look like is it going to be doing you know these kind of crime comedies that were big at the end of the the century or uh are they going to be family films like the santa claus Uh, is it down the middle with a pg movie like joe somebody Mm -hmm. um then he hops on with barry sonnenfeld uh to do big trouble as kind of a a get shorty sort of thing Mm -hmm. it just looks like he's trying to figure his career out and then it just gets derailed uh, almost immediately, and he comes back with Christmas with the Cranks in 2004, then the Shaggy Dog in 2006, uh, and, and, Zoom. and Zoom in 2006, and Santa Claus 3 in 2006. <laughs> okay, see, like, th- this is the thing, this is the thing, no wonder Tim Allen has such warm opinions towards America, the land of opportunity, because this man has been given so many chances. Yes, he like, has. You know, Academy Award winner Lupita Nyong'o barely shows up in movies at all, but Tim Allen was free to headline just, a, what, like 10 different utter stinkers in the course uh, of less than 10 years. That said, I would maybe watch The Shaggy Dog starring Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, without question. I'd watch I'd watch Zoom starring Lupita Nyong'o. <laughs> Lady is magnetic. She, crazy on the outside starring Lupita Nyong'o. I'm there. I'll do it. Oh, this movie was directed by a little gentleman by the name of Joe Roth. Mm-hmm. Um, is he little? People like this are interesting to me. The, the people who direct every once in a while, but are mostly producers. Mm-hmm. He has 71 producing credits. Uh, most recently, um, things like The Gray Man with mm. uh, Gosling and, <laughs> wow. and Chris yeah. Evans. He's, he, so he's really motivated by just powerful stories that really just implant yep. themselves in the yep. collective psyche of the nation. Well, kind of. I mean, th- he's he's kind of all over the place. He did F9. I mean, like, he's working with some big-ass stuff. But he mm. also did, like, uh, The Plot Against America, uh, that HBO miniseries based oh, yeah. on the, the Philip Roth novel. Uh, yeah. Billy... Uh, the United States versus Billy Holiday, uh, but then also Doolittle and Maleficent, the Mistress of Evil. So I, yeah, there's going to be. I do not understand him. Yeah, there's going to be some misses. There's going to you know you 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 swing a lot, you're going to miss a lot. Oh, listen, we're gonna we're gonna come back to that theme in just a minute when we talk uh, about I, some writers here. Let's let's also let's also point out that uh, Joe Roth, director of this movie, received a special thanks in the credits of the movie Punch Drunk Love. Don't know, okay. don't know what he did for our buddy Paul Thomas Anderson, but we appreciate it. Thanks for making a <laughs> great movie happen. Well, yeah, it's with producers, they got connections. You meet them at a party and things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, what about uh, his directing credits, though, because that's what we're talking about today. Uh, well, Christmas of the Cranks, 2004, it's his penultimate film. The mm. last one he did was in 2006 called Freedom Land with uh, Julianne Moore and Sam Jackson. Nice cast, solid cast. Previous to this, he did America's Sweethearts, a film I think might be underrated, but I, I'm I'm very nervous about putting that out publicly. The thing about America's Sweethearts is that is the most your parents rented it and you have no idea what it's about movie of all time for people who were born in late 1988. I know that this doesn't apply to you. Like, I, to this day, don't really know what the movie's about. I remember trailers for it that's like, oh, Billy Crystal, and I don't know the other people in it, and I remember my parents (laughs) renting it and me being in the other room playing video games and hearing them laugh occasionally and then never talk about the movie again. That's America's Sweethearts. I saw it in the theater. Uh, you saw so much in theaters. You had so I many did. experiences. <laughs> um, I, I well, listen. We're not talking about America's sweethearts. We'll we'll talk about that another time. We but... we, we are America's sweethearts, as <laughs> far as I'm concerned. Isn't it true? Yeah, uh, the people voted it. Um, the other so he's done uh, a total of six movies. Uh, Coupe de Ville, I haven't heard of. Streets of Gold, I haven't heard of. Uh, but he did do. The Revenge of the Nerds, two nerds in paradise. Mm, mm-hmm. They're back. So so says the bikini babe on the cover of Revenge of the Nerds, two nerds in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh boy, we got to it... talk about the writers of this movie. <laughs> we I, nothing makes us sadder on this podcast than talking about writers. The thing that both of us moved to L.A. to do. I, I'm not. I'm not sad about talking about writers this week. I, I'm more flummoxed, uh, confused, confounded, um, betrayed. Fill in the <laughs> betrayed. Uh, I don't know. Eh. I don't feel betrayed. Okay. Okay. I. Uh, all right. You, yeah. I have thoughts about writers too. Let's talk about the writers. All right. I sent Truman a screen cap <laughs> when he didn't believe me when I told him who the two writers of this movie were. <laughs> Name a less iconic duo. I'll wait. The the screenplay was written by uh, Christmas icon. If there's a a if Tim mm. Allen is the face of Christmas, uh, Chris Columbus is the scribe of Christmas. Yes, w- without a doubt, director of Home Alone, uh, director and uh, co-writer of Home Alone. Oh, yes, yes, uh, writer of Christmas Vacation, mm-hmm. uh, producer of Jingle All the Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people consider uh, the Harry Potter movies to be um, holiday films. Yeah, yeah. A lot of snow. I get it. Well, some of them take place over the holidays as well. I, I, I haven't really watched them, so I, I guess I shouldn't be weighing in here. Oh, okay. He was executive producer on David Eggers' The Witch? I, I okay you know what I a lot of a lot of the rogues gallery behind this movie showing up in the credits of other movies that we really like I Chris Columbus's uh producing credits are just baffling holy shit sorry I'm going through this in real time and I'm sorry everyone has to go through this with me but uh he right before he did, the same year that he did Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone he produced Monkey Bone <laughs> now in the same year he that's produced a movie i have seen 
the same year that he produced Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the best one, mm-hmm. he wrote and produced Christmas with the Cranks. Wow, what a what in a the year. following year he did Chris Evans's Fantastic Four. <laughs> 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 yeah, both him him and Tim Allen were, were both trying a lot of stuff out, and they, they were throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall, and, and some of it was sticking. More more of it in Chris Columbus's Jesus. case than in Chris than in Columbus Tim is uh, throwing so much spaghetti at this holiday wall, I think he's trimming caps. Let's see here. Uh, <laughs> I would never he... do that to spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, but you eat spaghetti at Christmas. Yeah, but I put it in my mouth, Landon, my mouth, not, <laughs> not the wall. <laughs> Come on! You made me spit beer on Bela. <laughs> yeah, see, look at you. Talk about throwing food at things or beverages, for that matter. Oh, say, okay, so Chris Columbus wrote this movie. Yes. Uh, okay. Wow. Holy glad, cow! Glad we got there. Far, far cry from uh, even your even Christmas Vacation, I would say. Um, yeah. Written. Uh, this is all based on a novel. Well, it's really a novella. I mean, it's it's Oof, like 150 dis, pages. Yes. Oh, take that. By who? Who wrote the? Who wrote this puny little novella that we look down on? Uh, it was called Skipping Christmas. It was written by a little little author. You might not have heard of him, but he he could be going places by the name of uh, John Grisham. Record scratch. What? <laughs> I, did you know you've read some John Grisham books for our um, for our undue influence episode? That's did, not correct. Did, okay, you've I read, read some... a Steve Martini book based on the movie we were watching that was based on a Steve Martini book. John John Grisham and Steve Martini are the same person, <laughs> and all of you know that I'm right. It doesn't matter. It, they're 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 same. Okay, but you've read a John Grisham book before. You've you've read I've read The one. Firm. Yeah. Did you know that he also wrote non-rich lawyer books? I think this is the only book he wrote that isn't that. I mean, I that bring that makes everything a lot clearer, I guess. Because it it's does. Can it, you it, explain it to me? It feels to me like the the id of this movie is really just the primal scream and lament of a of a wealthy man who does more Christmas stuff than he wants to. And it's like so much Ah. of what this, like this is very much something written by a person who has like, you're, you're only at a certain level when uh, of society, when you're spending $6,000 on Christmas every year. And I feel like that is a John Grisham problem. And I feel like the fact that he only wrote books about lawyers, but then at some point in his life, the stress of hosting and going to all these like Christmas parties and inviting all his friends from the publishing company and all of this elbow rubbing and hobnobbing, it finally got to him so much that he just had to write one book about what it would be like if if he himself skipped Christmas. <laughs> Okay, you, you, we're we're edging toward my personal reflection, Uh-oh. but um, I I will say I have not read this book, but my partner has, and she hated it. My mom has, and she <laughs> wait, loved it. So, wait, wait, wait why my partner's so many... a librarian? She works with books. Yeah, but but there's so many books that are not written by John Grisham, <laughs> let, let alone let alone not John Grisham's Christmas story. <laughs> well, you know, when you read a lot. You you don't know exactly where your mood's going to take you. Sometimes you're like, oh, you know what? A, a nice little Christmas novel might be good. Actually, I think she said she read it for a book club. 
okay, that make I, book clubs are the source of a lot of of uh, of evil in that way. But okay, yeah. that makes yes. more sense. Okay, I'm glad your mom loved it though. Well, it's a book for moms. Yeah, that's true. And and trust me, it's for dads too. <laughs> um, let's. Okay, have you seen this movie before? No, no, <laughs> no. Why do you say it like that? I because a I, I don't know a I'd like to think that I would. Re- I guess you'd think that you'd remember something from this movie, but then maybe this is a movie that fades. Um, I I will say if if I if we weren't pulling apart the 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 strand the DNA strands of everything Tim Allen has done. Uh, I wouldn't remember most of his things. True. The fact that we have to kind of trauma bond with it <laughs> has, <laughs> has imprinted all of his movies on my brain in a way that I will forever resent. Uh, yeah, th- this is this is really true, yeah. The other reason I, I guess I sound forlorn about the concept of having seen it before is that when I went to Amazon Prime to watch it, the little play button said, watch again? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Did, did we did we do this for an episode already and we both forgot? I I mean I I don't know I so that was that was kind of spooky for me. But have okay. you seen All this right. before? I have not seen this before. I you sound think sad I've, too. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the last couple of Christmas episodes we've done, but I'm just I'm one of those. I'm not. I don't try to be humbug about it, but I am definitely like the the holidays bum me the fuck out. I am mm-hmm. not. I'm not a fan of the holidays. I don't like the music. My God, this movie has one of the Christmas songs that make me want to strangle people. Oh, um, oh no! It's I a hope- very, it's a very specific one. Um, you don't hear it too often unless you're in Michigan because that's the home of Bob Seger. Uh, oh, okay. Phew. All right. I don't, I don't remember which one it is, but it's not, it's not the one Christmas song that I like that's in this movie. So we're good. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, so yeah, I'm just not predisposed to like holiday films. Period. End of sentence. Um, so I would not have like sought this out before uh, this reason for doing so. I-, I can't really imagine anyone seeking out Christmas with the Cranks. I think that Christmas with the Cranks finds you. No, I mean I can. Uh, yeah, someone in 2004 who like. <laughs> It's like, well, the internet's really slow, and and I have to take my mind off the fact that George Bush just just got reelected. So fine, <laughs> this is this is playing in theaters. Video games aren't that good. Yet. Well, video games are okay at the moment, but this might be better. I- maybe maybe living in the Midwest has changed my my uh, window into the different types of people there are in the world and the media they consume. But I am I'm far more. Willing to believe that Christmas with the Cranks on DVD, not Blu-ray, not 4K, but DVD, of still sits on the shelves of uh, some homes. Uh, now, okay, that's a very that's a very good bet. And li- listeners, if any of you stay at an Airbnb and you find Christmas with the Cranks in their DVD collection, <laughs> uh, write in, let us know. I'm not going to say you get a chalupa or anything, but I'm I'm interested to see how long it takes to get an email. Um, <laughs> I, I think that. I think this is this is a movie. If you if you've seen it anytime since like two thousand six, it is because it is on TNT. Like the the, the yeah okay. It, it, you are at home. You come into it halfway through, and you're like, ah, I don't fucking know. There's nothing else on. Like I can't even really imagine anybody walking to their <laughs> DVD collection 
pulling the DVD out and putting it in the DVD player. What well, depends on what you have it sandwiched between. I mean, if you put Christmas with the Cranks next to like Elf and Home Alone, yeah, you're probably never going to reach for Christmas with the Cranks. But I don't know if it's next to like the first, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, uh, and you're like, well, do I want a kind of slow moving black and white, overly long saccharin holiday film or do i want tim allen making botox face <sighs> man botox face i mean i i don't know i i i just i can't see this i can't see this as a like i think this is just not a movie that people even remember exist or if they hear about it they're like is that the one where tim allen has botox face and then i say <laughs> yes in only one scene that was very clearly <laughs> Yeah, you know, we'll we'll get into it. We we've been we've been talking around this movie. I mean, do we have? I don't know. What what do we do now? Do we want to talk about reflections? I feel like we're already edging into. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Th- th- yeah. Oh, that's what we're doing right now. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I was on a Christmas vacation. Have you not been reflecting? I. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I've I've been na- navel gazing, but the reflecting can start now. Um, <laughs> I think I, if- I really only have one reflection for this. Yeah, which is, um. I there's a a resentment I have for this movie, and it's it's not. Listen, I'm not going to bring the same energy I brought to Zoom. Uh, I think as far as a movie is concerned, it's a movie. It's fucking whatever. I don't like it at all, but uh, it is what it is. But what chaps my lips? Oh, is <laughs> you're licking them? This too is much. a PG movie. Uh, uh, what chaps my lips about this is that this story this universe that they've built at least in the first two-thirds of it aligns me with tim allen's character in a way that i find sacrilege beyond the pale you you it's it's kind of a horror movie in that regard you find yourself (laughs) siding with something unthinkable yes i i I have so much to say about this neighborhood about (laughs) the the goings on of of the holiday spirit on whatever twilight zone lane this exists in but i it, the fact that tim allen seems to be the reasonable one in this movie for the large portion of it i'm like i i, the, I can't even re- the one instance where you're giving me to relate to him i can't because i'm so resentful that i have to relate to him <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your 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 body is rejecting the idea. Basically, it's yes, it's, it's exactly. uh, the, the sickness is my, inside you, and you don't like it. My head is rejecting the implants. Yes, <laughs> I look. I definitely I, I agree with you. I think that the I, I think that the first half of this movie or the segment of this movie that you're that you're talking about it really makes more sense if you look at it as the depiction of of kind of what feels like to have an anxiety disorder um because so like the the first two-thirds of this movie basically it's two people make a simple logical choice to do something they want to do that's going to make their lives better a choice that only affects them and literally everyone in the world gets super super mad at them for it and i have spent years in therapy like (laughs) 
learning that no, no, it's it's okay for you to do things that you want and do things your way. Everyone in the world is not going to get mad at you if you step outside of of the lines mm. that you believe have been drawn for you. So if you look at this as like you know, me, oh. if if again, I I hate this is like two weeks in a row I've invoked Ari Aster, but this is like if you look at this through like a Bo is afraid lens. <laughs> Of like this is a this is a psychic freak. If you look at this through a Darren Aronofsky's mother lens of like you are just going nuts and freaking out, and it's a parable uh-huh. about freaking out. The first you know chunk of this movie kind of kind of fits. The first half well, or more of this movie fits. I think you unintentionally answered a question you asked, which is uh, who watches this movie? I think it's people who haven't been through therapy. Mm. <laughs> That's who seek this movie out. <laughs> men, men would literally rather watch Christmas with the Cranks than go to therapy. <laughs> Which I, I mean, we, and and then on the other hand, get you a man who can do both. We both go to therapy and watch Christmas with the Cranks. So, uh, you know, it's <laughs> there. You go. Yeah. Um, balance. All right. Do you have any other reflections, or, or should we go through the first act of this thing? Let's go through. Like all my other reflections will come out as we go. Let's go okay. through right. the first act of this movie. So, uh, the movie starts off, and we meet uh, we meet Tim Allen, Luther Crank, and his wife Nora, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. I already explained this. I don't need to say it again. They have one daughter, Blair, did. only child represent. Uh, she is departing for the Peace Corps. It is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Or Wait, did the... you say Blair or Randy? I said Blair, but okay. uh, but you know she well she has blonde hair like Randy. Does she have Randy's charisma? No. Uh, but she's she's off to Peru for the Peace Corps. They drop her off at the airport and grouse a little bit about going to the airport right after Thanksgiving. She goes off. They are both uh, varying degrees of sad to be empty nesters. Uh, but then um, amid all the bad weather and everything, uh, Luther, Tim, sees the ad for a Hawaiian cruise. He pitches uh, his wife on it. She uh, is initially hesitant but then he convinces her that, yes, if we go on the cruise, it'll cost $3,000 versus I ran all the numbers from last year. It cost $6,100 to do Christmas. So he just proposes we do no Christmas stuff at all. We give no gifts. We don't say Merry Christmas. We don't put up any decorations. We don't do any of that. We just go on vacation. We're just going to skip Christmas this year. He informs all of his coworkers that he's doing that. They inform the neighbors that they're doing that, including uh, you know their neighbor Vic Fronmeyer, played by the Croyd. And all their neighbors cannot fathom it. They just cannot believe it. They their their minds are broken by the concept of two people choosing not to celebrate Christmas, and. Uh, then uh, there's just a whole lot of business of all the people in the neighborhood trying to uh, convince them to celebrate yeah, Christmas, that... or at least to put up their gigantic uh, Frosty the Snowman figurine that everyone in the neighborhood puts up on their roof every year. I think that's dipping a little bit into the second act, but yeah, let, let's, okay. I want to start with the opening shot. Okay, perfect. I, I want to as well, so let's start there. Tim Allen's biceps. Hey guys, did you know that he lifts? Because if you didn't, the first fucking thing you're going to see in this movie is Tim Allen's big old beefy hammock biceps. <laughs> it's like when Kirk Douglas wrote in his contract that he has to be shirtless in every movie. And so you get a movie like Paths of Glory <laughs> where he, he just so ham-fistedly takes off his shirt in the, the trenches of a war 
the, anyway, uh, Tim Allen is clearly just like, I've been working out. I worked out all that time for Galaxy Quest. I want to show off my guns. I, I just, I, I feel like I, it's, I've just seen too much of Tim Allen's body. He's naked so much in the shaggy dog. And then I'm like, he, they can't possibly do this to me again. And the first thing we see. It's bold- not even the most egregious thing we see in this movie, but oh man, yeah, yeah, no. Tim Allen's by the, this movie starts on such a dour note, and then it just matches that tone throughout because it's just Tim Allen and and Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> sitting forlornly in bed, and they're like they're already awake. They're sitting up in bed, and their alarm goes off, and they're just looking so sad. And Tim just goes, "Well, I guess we better get to it." And then they get up and get out of bed, and we just go straight to the title: "Christmas with the Cranks." <laughs> It's like, it's it's like it's like. Well, I guess we got to start being in the movie now. Oh boy. <laughs> so okay, the thing is, they they have a reason to be up before their alarm. They have a reason to be sad and depressed in this moment. Sure. Um, yet, do you think that the title is coming in to kind of like call them cranky, like right out the gate? Because I'm like, this movie often is like really vilifying these two people for what I think are completely reasonable things. This movie, yeah, this movie is um, just inveighing against anyone who dares to engage in free expression or freedom of choice. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. If it's trying to imply that they're cranky, it's like, well, they're not being cranky in this first scene. It's like Christmas with the ennui, if anything. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't. And if it's trying to go for a punchline on that, it's not it's not punchy enough. The, yep. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say this up top, and we're going to return to this uh, throughout. Or maybe Uh-oh. we won't. Maybe I'll Uh-oh. forget that I've said this. I think that conceptually, this is a this this concept is good. I think that this movie oh, could dude. have been good. I am with you on that. Oh, we agree. We're in agreement. It's nice to have this. Could you? <laughs> Would you expect anything else? Yeah, I I think, and maybe this is too early to, to talk about it, but I think that this is, like, if handled by a different director, maybe, like, if <laughs> Terry Zwigoff did his, like, Bad Santa version of this, <laughs> uh, like, because it feels like the movie's aligning with the world around these two rather than with these two against the world. Yes. Like, if it was really playing the, what the fuck is wrong with the, like, if the if the entire neighborhood was insane and they were playing them as insane characters, that would be one thing. But they're actually trying to, like, make the argument that skipping Christmas is the dumbest idea you could ever have. Yeah, like, sh- shame on you to do this. It's selfish of you to do something you want to do and not observe look, this holiday. L- look at how your choice is affecting the entire community. The The guy that you buy a Christmas tree from isn't going to get his $75 from you this year. The guy that you buy your Christmas invitations from, he's not going to be able to send them all out to the people that you usually have a party for. And the people that you have a party for aren't going to have a party to go to this year. It, there's so much just, like... Hanky action. Hanky action? Hanky action, man. <laughs> I was, I was, it's one of those instances where you can't see me, but I was using a hanky on the tear ducts. Oh, uh, I see. I, I see. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We're, it's uh, weeping for these, for these poor, yeah. underprivileged, wealthy people living in, in like five bedroom colonial homes in suburban yeah. Chicago. I, 
Yeah, the 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 Christmas tree guy is especially egregious. You know, they've once they've committed to not doing Christmas, there's all these shots. You know, she's getting chased down by the Christmas card person out. Like he runs out of the store and is chasing Jamie Lee Curtis down the street, saying like, "You haven't ordered your cards. You haven't ordered your cards." Uh, Boy Scouts show up at their house with a Christmas tree for them. It's like, oh, hello, Mr. Crank. We've got a good tree for you here, just like the one you no. got last year. That doesn't... that The, the Boy Scouts take the dead tree away. They don't deliver I a, trees. I have a, a a question for you that's a little out of my depth, but I, I have a feeling you, you'll be able to shed some light on it for me. Oh, boy. This movie, I mean, it seems to have very conservative values. Yeah. Am yeah. I wrong in that? No, no, I think you're about right. I think you're about right that John Grisham wrote something with conservative <laughs> values in it. Okay, all right. Uh, yet, it seems like it. The, they're basically having, it's almost a communistic mindset that this neighborhood has of you aren't doing your part. You are are being individualized. You're you're separating yourself, and it's harming the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like I I don't know. It, it's it's like, but in the way of like I don't know ancient Sparta or whatever, where it's like you know if you can't hold your shield up to block the incoming arrows, yes, I'm drawing my knowledge of ancient Sparta from the movie Three Hundred. Shut the fuck up. It's not like I got a humanities <laughs> degree, but it's like it's like you know we all have to be. Strong, like it, it's like it's a very seemingly kind of manly idea of of like we all have to we all have to Christmas together or else or else everything falls apart. Well, okay, so I oh, we we've taken a tangent right out the gate here. So let, let's get back on track as far as what's happening here. They're sad because their daughter is their only daughter is going away to a different country for the Peace Corps. They're for expressing you. stuff like. For an entire year, and they're going to be missing Christmas, not only Christmas, but all the holidays and birthdays over the next year. Yeah. And that, um, th- you know, they're asking, I think, legitimate questions of, are they sending you to a safe country? What kind of protections do they have in place for you? What will you be doing there? Mm-hmm. Who will you be surrounded with? You know, like, I think those are legitimate concerns, and they have a legitimate reason to be concerned and sad that their daughter is going away. Sure, of course. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Okay, uh, and with that, wouldn't you, as a couple of parents who usually have this big tradition of celebrating Christmas, going, it's not going to be the same, and we would be too devastated to do it without her. Let's just get out of here. Let's just do something different. That makes perfect sense. I mean, I, it completely makes sense to like deal with your only child moving away by like making a change and just shaking things up to adjust to to the new reality. And the fact that everyone's response to that is anything other than like, Hey, that's tough. It was tough when my kid moved away too. Hey, I hope you guys have a great trip. It's it's insanity. (laughs) Oh, you don't. Yeah. You probably don't want to throw a party this year. You know what? Uh, I'll ask, uh, I'll ask around and see if I, you know, maybe, maybe the hubby will be okay if we do it at our place this year. Yeah. See if, yeah. Like the, so if, the whole community kind of reached out and offered their condolences to these people who just are have you know dealing with this kind of new and scary and 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 thing and this new kind of hole in their lives and maybe the community stepped up to take on some of the responsibilities they always took you know spirit of christmas shit <laughs> yeah. like, which makes the end of this movie utterly insane but we'll we'll get there in about 5 hours so yes, let's yeah, keep going yeah um yeah, so I we should also mention, uh, in addition to to uh, the Croyd playing the kind of 
you know, the up, upright, super Christmassy neighbor who runs, who's basically the mayor of their street. Uh, there's also M. Emmett Walsh, not the name of the character, uh-huh. the name of the actor, who plays an old man who lives across the street from Tim. He has a cat that Tim keeps stepping on. They argue a lot. Is it the same cat from the Shaggy Dog? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it very it very well might be much like uh, Spencer Breslin keeps showing up in Tim Allen movies. So too does the cat from the Shaggy Dog. There's also the the bullfrog bulldog is also in this, but his scenes got cut. Oh. Um, but so yeah, he this so he's got this cat who he keeps stepping on. Tim and his neighbor M. Emmett Walsh hate each other, and they argue like one time, maybe two times on camera to show that they're nemeses. I don't. I don't really know why they hate each other. It's not really ever made clear. Well, because he married his daughter. What, what is this? Is this a bit? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe <laughs> it's Jill's dad. Wait, no, re- fuck! I forgot that M. Emmett Walsh played Jill's dad. I'm, I'm sorry. The whole time have you put Home Improvement entirely out of your head at this point? Yes, and Landon. if so, help me figure out how to do that. Get get on get on my level. I'm sorry. A, first off, I did not realize that M. Emmett Walsh is still alive. Hats off to this 88-year-old king. That is amazing. You outlived <laughs> Henry Kissinger, and that makes me happy. B, the whole time I was seeing him on screen in this, I was just thinking, wow, dude was in Blood Simple, and now here he is in this. I, the fact that he was in Home Improvement <laughs> playing Jill's dad is completely out of my head. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, okay, th- that- well... Is it is it interesting, Landon, that I fixated on a Coen Brothers movie? That's pretty pretty uninteresting. That's bog standard That's Truman on-brand. shit. Um, but he also M. Emmett Walt's uh, wife Bev uh, has cancer, and it's just come back. So there's a little fun undertone for your slapstick comedy mm-hmm. uh, holiday movie. Now we we skipped over something that I think is maybe worth bringing up now because it comes into play later. Okay. Uh, when they drop uh, their daughter off at the airport, they're driving through the city, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is like, we got to stop at the grocery store. And Tim Allen's like, I don't want to fucking stop at the grocery store. It's the holidays. And she's well, like, raining. I got to get this shit to do all Oh, well, and it's raining. Is that the main thing? I'm it, attributing things where it doesn't need to be. But uh, it is raining, and I was going to get to that because it's important. Um so they, they end up going to the grocery store, and she's like, well, I'm not getting out. It's raining. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll get out. And as he's going up to the store, there's a Santa there selling umbrellas. Selling mm-hmm. or giving out umbrellas? I don't no, I think he's selling them because he gives them to, to a, another person, and that person gives him money. But yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. He's selling umbrellas with Santa Claus's face on them. He's selling them very aggressively. Oh, <laughs> As oh. people are walking by, he's like, you need an umbrella? You need an umbrella? It's raining out. And and, and also, like, do, do Santas do that? Like, I thought Santa, if I see a Santa <laughs> no. on the street, he's asking for charitable donations, not trying to engage in a business transaction relating to an umbrella. Like, what? Yeah. That's not a Santa also, thing. If, if this is if this is Chicago, like, it shouldn't be raining or have a need for umbrellas. That's like Portland shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's Christmas in Chicago, people are indoors. It yes. is negative weather out there. Yeah, and if there's precipitation coming out of the sky, it is falling as snow because it's cold enough for that or to happen. Ice and hail, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
We also didn't talk about Jamie Lee Curtis. Like the fact that she's in this, they're married. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that are to be sad because Jamie Lee Curtis rules. She's awesome. She does. I love her so much. And yep. in this movie, God, she is not given like she's not given much to do because her character is just a flat out housewife. She apparently does a little bit of volunteering yeah. and she really loves her daughter and really misses her daughter and goes completely nuts well, she goes nuts all the time. She she falls to pieces crying and freaking out when people stand outside the house. She can barely drive the car. There's She's... a moment when she she yelps, runs to the bed, hides under the covers, and trembles. And it's just like, I don't know, like, Jamie Lee Curtis is so cool and badass, and this is, like, I get that acting is a thing, and it's range. I don't know. Like, she's, she's trying to make a meal out of this role, and God bless her, but it's just the the care it just highlights how little she's been given and i don't know another thing that bugged me and and made me feel a bunch of feelings is that she is very much like made up and portrayed in this movie as kind of the dowdy old hag and i'm glad you mentioned this because i have something to say about it too I, i so like it's just very much like she is not you know she is the frumpy old housewife she knits and she well and and then and then to think about the fact that yeah okay and then 20 years after this, she's in Everything Everywhere all at once, <laughs> playing, like, the kind of crazy old lady character. But it's just like, wait, but Hollywood, she, like, she, she she's not a frumpy old lady. She's, like, I, I don't know. I, like... I, I want to be careful, because we, we mentioned last week that part of the, the, the Tim Allen wife squad... Oh, God. Um, and my note here was, as if this would be his wife. Which, yeah. Which... It, which is referring to the idea that, well, I don't know exactly what it like. I I guess I'm surprised that it's not someone like a Julie Bowen who will show up and Joe somebody, uh, you know, yeah. someone like that, a house a hot housewife. Yeah, I'm surprised exactly. Felicity Huffman actually isn't his wife in this. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I I guess that's true. It, it seem it seems like he would just be paired up with someone who is you know probably like inexplicably 15 years younger than him or something like that exactly yeah exactly without question like as if that was the natural state of the world like why would you ever question it so the fact that they're going opposite of that is interesting to me but also i i don't know i i I feel like because when we'll get to the scene in a little bit here um where Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm wondering if it was a choice of hers, because she does seem to be trying stuff out. I mean, she is a comedic actress. You know, yeah. She is very funny. Yes. And I'm wondering if it's just kind of misguided performance or misguided suggestions or, you know, trying things that just don't work and the director doesn't have a good sense of comedy to know, oh, yeah, that... We did it a little bit differently on Revenge of the Nerds 2, but, you know, this is also funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Revenge of the Nerds 2, also known for uh, super strongly written uh, female roles. Um, <laughs> so I, I just have I have one other nomination for the sort of actress who you I would have expected to have seen playing Tim Allen's okay. wife in this movie. Uh, Cheryl Hines, uh, who we all know from Curb oh, Your yes. Enthusiasm. This is t- completely oh, yes. a 2004 Cheryl Hines type role. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. No. But I think I think that's um, those are uh, those are all good points. At no, at no at no time in this do I want to seem like I am down on Jamie Lee Curtis. I just am down on her being given such a thankless job to do. 
Yeah, yes. I think that's what it comes down to. She's doing what she can with it, but it is... Uh, and she has her moments. You know, I think she does shine at one or two places, but mm-hmm. um, for the most part, it is... And an inconsistent character, because she seems to kind of be on board with this thing. You know, like, she's being slowly won over by this idea of going on a cruise. Mm-hmm. But she, by the end of it, like completely drops the act is like nope i wanted christmas this whole time yeah she she turns on a dime goes back to completely wanting christmas at a, at a late point in the movie and then tim allen at for 20 minutes of the movie is completely with her and then like a light switch flips back to like well i wanted to go on my cruise we'll get there <laughs> so but like okay the, sorry go ahead well well no so i mean the, the, the first half of this movie though is basically just these people are not going to do Christmas. They are. And it's just a bunch of scenes of people hassling them over this. Like, like, uh, you know, the Croyd starts gathering Christmas carolers to come and sing outside their house. And there's this whole extended sequence of, they are sitting inside and eating dinner. And then they start hearing jingle bells from outside. And they do this whole elaborate thing where they, throw themselves to the ground and are crawling around and hiding and like you're you're inside your house like there's a lot of people <laughs> hiding also, inside their houses from people who are outside that, their house in this movie it happens in multiple scenes that scene makes no sense to me they're sitting at the dinner table they're having dinner and Dan Aykroyd like uh manipulates this group of carolers to go over and start singing that, to them cuz it's you know revenge for he, not doing christmas he doesn't manipulate the carolers he literally tells the carolers exactly what's happening those yeah the carolers ask that house with no decorations are they jewish or something no 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 they've just decided to skip christmas this year (gasps) why don't you go over and sing for them like there's no manipulation or subterfuge they are just as bonkers as everyone else in this (laughs) world all right i'm giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt but what the crazier part is Tim Allen and Jimmy Lee Curtis are sitting at the table eating dinner and the carolers outside start singing and they look at each other like, what's that? And then they get, they like get down, down, down. And they start, as you said, doing the, the military moves to, you know, scoot around the furniture without being seen by the big bay window and then pop up next to the curtain and peek out. And he's like, Oh, it's carolers. It's like, what the fuck else could that have been? (laughs) Part of a uh, part of of not doing Christmas involves forcing yourself to forget everything you know about Christmas. There is a yeah, they got a suntan <laughs> He's and a really committed. Yeah, no, they're, they're kind of again more more aligning me with Tim. I wish I could do that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 method stuff. They had they had to go all the way, but so they. They see the carolers outside, and there's just all this back and forth of the carolers singing. Other people from the neighborhood have joined the carolers. You got you got the Croyd really belting out the lyrics to Jingle Bells. They go back inside, or well, they, they've been inside the whole time, but they like go upstairs and they're reading, and still Jingle Bells is going. They're singing faster and faster and more and more. I also want to point out that I, I, this just felt like such a flashback moment, or I don't even know if it's a flashback. It's like it's like a a, a a snapshot, an old black and white faded photo from a different era. Dinner is over, and they are sitting side by side on chairs. Tim is reading a book, and and uh, she and I keep wanting to say Patricia Richardson, but it's not. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. I know. I had the same feeling. This is. It feels very much like Jill. 
Yeah, the, the, I mean, J- Jamie Lee Curtis is knitting. So I wanted to say, just <laughs> sitting, reading, knitting, no music, no TV, no phones. Amazing. 2004 house. Uh, no, she feels <laughs> so much like Jill. They're, like, they're... This ep- this movie is basically three Home Improvement Christmas episodes to the point that like one of the big climactic uh, pratfalls in the movie is literally a thing that happens like two times oh on God. Home Improvement and to the big point note of mine. that yeah I think that Patricia Patricia Richardson's character Jamie Lee Curtis's character has been written to basically be a weak version of Jill. And to the, even at times, her hair kind of looks like like I feel there are scenes, season two Jill. Yeah, there are scenes between them where they're having an argument, and I forgot that I wasn't watching Home Improvement for a second. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I have a I have a question for you. Of what what's crazier here? Let's just take the Caroler scene for instance. Although there are many many examples, what's crazier the the fact that this entire neighborhood, every person they encounter is so just slap in the face offended that they aren't celebrating Christmas or the fact that they give a shit like Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis are like, they're carolers outside. Like, why do they care about being seen? Like, fuck it. Go away. We're not celebrating Christmas this year. They don't have to be rude about it. It's like, Oh, thanks. Yeah. We're not celebrating, but thank you. Yeah. Like, why do they care what everyone in the neighborhood thinks? I mean, I would say, given the choice, I would say that they're crazier on the outside of the house because of <laughs> this reaction. Because, I mean, I can see, like, I agree, why do you give a shit? But also, if you take it as this is a movie about people having anxiety attacks with their yeah. the worst manifestations of their anxiety made real, I, I can I can see, like, feeling so much guilt over this and in internal turmoil that the very sound of people caroling is driving you mad. Um, but they just don't see that's that's where the movie deviates from what I want it to be. Exactly. Which is and, and there's there's a little taste of it uh, when Tim Allen starts to pull a, a home alone, not the episode, the movie <laughs> where he's icing down the sidewalk. And I'm like, yes, let's have two people who are just standing up for their right to do whatever the fuck they want to with their own life against an entire crazed neighborhood who's telling them they have to celebrate Christmas. I want to see war. Show me some blood. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the holidays are all about. I mean, it is blood is a Christmas color. You can't argue with that. I look, I agree. And the movie is at least in this scene, kind of setting it up like this whole sequence of like they're, they're upstairs reading the music finally stops. Ah, you know, uh, now, now I'm almost saying Julia Louis-Dreyfus because it's a woman with three names. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis reaches down Is it because to... Patricia Richardson has an extra syllable in her first name that makes it feel like it's three names? Maybe that's it. Yeah, Pat-Tricia Richardson. That's, that's really the one. Jamie Lee Curtis reaches down to get her knitting, and then when she sits back up, the carolers are right by the window. Ah, and they're singing Frosty the Snowman, and they run downstairs and into the cellar, and it's like, it's like Night of the Living Dead stuff. Like, the house is surrounded, we're, we're stuck inside, we can't go. There's other scenes like this, too. But the whole thing is, like, played out with extended horror movie-type beats. If they kind of just leaned into that for the rest of the movie, it's like, like, to the point that the people in their neighborhood go completely unhinged and are trying to kill them for not doing Christmas, like, make it like a... I don't know, like, like suddenly they're in they're being surrounded by a cult or something. Like, that... yeah. 
yeah, go there. Do do that thing. Instead, instead, like, they run downstairs, and then they're spooked sitting by the furnace. They see that they're frosty. The snowman thing in the um, in the basement looks like it's it's glaring at them. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like it's from, uh, uh, oh, God, uh, the fuck is the name of this movie? The uh, uh, Jack killer Frost. Santa Claus movie. Jack Frost? Jack Frost, thank you. Yeah. Yes, killer, uh, uh, with yeah, um, with Michael Keaton in it, right? That Jack Frost? No, no, the the horror movie. I, uh, Jack but, Frost. But but what if? Um, <laughs> but then, but then they're down there. They see the scary snowman, and then it just kind of like fades to the next scene. So it's like there's not really a resolution to wait. So whatever happened with the carolers outside? Well, I, I, to your point, that's kind of like anxiety. There's never really a release valve. Ah, true. True, very true. I'm glad to see you're on board with my viewing. But yeah, so that, but as you said then, after this, I guess we go to sort of this montage of them just, I don't know, this movie goes to montages set to Christmas music a lot when it needs to fill up some time. He sprays down the the whole space out front with a, with a hose and then when, Ugh. and he's... It, so it freezes over. He's looking out the front window, and first we see the mailman walk up. The mailman slips, and he falls hard on his back. Like, this is a hard... It's not like a, whoa! It's like, wham! It's like, call an ambulance. The the stunt people in Home Alone fall hard. This is a... I, this is one of those things... I, I don't know why this is such a specific, stupid-ass thing to reference here. Hell yeah. Hell there's yeah. Welcome a, to a moment... In Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Where uh, it was, you know, 2004 also mm-hmm. was an era of kind of a weird place for computer animation and where they were using CG effects to accentuate live action scenes. Yeah. And there's a there's a moment in Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead uh, wait, where... Do you mean visionary director Zack Snyder? <laughs> Sorry. Right? I, I didn't want to be confused with the other Zack Snyder's. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where a zombie gets shot in the head mm-hmm. and the his the top of his head you know like skull cap blows off yeah and i thought you know when i saw it in the theater oh my god they're using cgi effects in this to do this and it looks so stupid and fake and then i watched the behind the scenes thing on it and they showed how they did it physically and i'm like cgi has fucked up how i view physical physics now yes exactly yeah and so this fall that the mailman does could have been done practically and just kind of like sped up or something through editing, but it looks fake to me. It, it it does. It looks weird. And maybe, maybe I perceive the fall as being really hard because I just like, there's something so unsettling and kind of disturbing about this very quick, unnatural movement of this mailman that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's, that's what I'm reacting to. It, they, they fucked with it somehow. And I don't know how. Yeah. Um, but 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 the mailman falls down and Tim is excited and then the carolers come back up for a second night so I guess these carolers are all just very invested in caroling the fuck out of this one house yeah and then they oh, you were talking about montages that's what was, I was yeah mention. oh yeah oh sorry yeah I might I don't want to I don't want to step on your montage talk well I, I mean I'm gonna grouse a little bit why I, I I can never pass up a, a moment to grouse but that is our podcast the montage where he's putting the ice or the water on the the sidewalk and you know they're doing shit through town all kinds of i don't know the one of the hands down worst christmas songs ever fucking put to wax Mm -hmm. is playing and it's bob seeger santa's got a brand new bag ah yes this the song okay I, i realize i have a personal connotation with it which is 
when I used to go from L.A. to Michigan for Christmas and drive around and see my friends and then go back home, I would have, you know, didn't have my music library with me. I was in a car that didn't have a USB port, so I had to listen to the radio, which meant nothing but Christmas music. And there were two songs that came on every single time I got in the car within the same day. Like I could drive somewhere and drive back, and I would hear them both both times. One of them was Santa's Got a Brand New Bag, which is to me the laziest Christmas song that's ever been written. Mm hmm. Also, I imagine With the refrain. Imagine, Santa's got a brand new bag. Playing the James Brown thing. Yeah, I, I would expect that Santa's bag would be very old. I mean, I don't see him as a guy who's like getting new bags from like the Sharper Image or something like that, or like a ergonomically designed toy bag. I don't know. I, it's a bag. I mean, he probably replaces it the same as I replace backpacks. How often do you replace your backpack? You know, maybe every five years or so. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess, yeah, that's the, okay. The, okay, granted, granted, Alf gavels. It, it, Santa Santa could, in fact, have a brand new bag. Okay, bad song, though. I agree. It, it kind of sucks, yeah. Uh, So I just, I, well, that triggers me. The other song is one of my least favorite songs of all time, and, you know, you can RIP him if you want to, but I hate with a fucking fire of a thousand suns the song Margaritaville. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Because because of this reason, I would hear Santa's Got a Brand New Bag, think that's shitty and one of the worst Christmas songs ever, and then Margaritaville would start playing, and it would be so depressing to go, this hellish landscape of snow and gray skies for six months straight, they need they just need the, the tiniest little morsel <laughs> of, of uh, an idea that they could be somewhere sipping a margarita on a beach. And it <laughs> depressed me so much every time it came on. I, I, you know, and the fact that now you spend your Christmases in Florida uh, probably means that you hear some mix of those two songs with some regularity <laughs> around the holidays anyway, right? No, I think we covered this. It might have been in a night's episode, but, uh, you know, when, we're, when I'm in the car with my parents now, oh, right. the music is on, like, volume level three and i can kind of just barely hear them of crocodile rock playing (laughs) and and your dad can't even hear that because it means nothing it is just sounds um well okay this this horrible traumatizing song santa's got a brand new bag is playing while the carolers walk up to this iced over patch and they all start comically slipping around. They can't, they can't get up They're They're falling to the ground. They're trying to get back up. And then, uh, Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus, God fucking dead. Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> wouldn't it be great though? Guys, wouldn't it be great if Julia Louis Dreyfus was in this movie? In in the version where they're doing war against the neighborhood, yes. Yes, exactly, because she's crazy as hell. She'd totally be on oh, board. I'm going to throw this out there. It's Jamie Lee Curtis and Julie Louis-Dreyfus oh, as a couple hell yes. fighting against the neighborhood. Oh, my God. I love it. I love everything about it. Can we? How much, how much could the rights to Christmas with the Cranks be worth at this point after this movie? <laughs> we could afford to buy it. We could do a better version. <laughs> With two, with two very cheap actresses who don't have loads of awards and acclaim, um, but but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis comes running out the front door to help the carolers, and then she slips on the ice and goes belly flopping, sliding like a penguin through the ice, and then she winds up eye to eye with the neighbor M. Emmett Walsh's cat that has somehow been frozen to the ice as well, and it's just trapped, encased in ice. This is two. Tim Allen movies in two weeks that have featured an animal in severe distress. I'm just 
putting putting that out there into the <laughs> that universe. Was, that that was what was funny in the mid aughts. You know, yeah, yeah, we we uh, we loved it. Everyone's favorite book was Slaughterhouse Five, but not because of the anti-war commentary, because they like thinking about slaughterhouses. I'm gonna stop talking. Uh, all right, I'm gonna jump in. Um, yeah, one thing that they're doing in this montage also that we aren't talking about is they're prepping for their trip, mm-hmm. and they're doing uh, doing some things. Um, and we're gonna talk about the scene now, Truman. Okay. Are you ready? Are you prepped? I'm trying. I'm trying to think of what scene we're we're talking. Oh, about. you've blocked it. You've blocked it out of your head. Well, no. So I mean, I there's a bunch of scenes that kind of upset me and make me talk in the tone of voice you're using, which is why I, I just don't know which one. But go. We're talking about the we're talking about the tanning scene. Ah, good. We're gonna talk about the tanning scene. Yep. Okay. <laughs> now here's how I'll get us into it. Uh, Tim Allen's like, you know, we can't show up on vacation. Jimmy Lee Curtis is like, isn't that the reason to go on a cruise is to get tanned? And Tim Allen's like, no, you don't. You're gonna look stupid if you do that. So we got to get tanned. We got to do a pre-tanning. Um, so they go to this. He's got a good deal. He goes. They're gonna get some tan doing on them bodies. The yep, that's the <laughs> yeah it's the the technical term for it. That's how they pronounce it in Michigan. <laughs> uh, here's how I'm gonna get it into this is uh as they're getting tanned, um. And I'll let you take us through the scene, but uh, they come Thank out you. in their in their their swimsuits. Thank you, my God, my you, brain literally could not recall what that word was. You, you wow, it, that is a midwestern winter, folks. Uh, dude has not seen an ocean in a couple years. Oh my God, um, they come out in their swim trunks and uh, uh, they run into their reverend, who is played by one Mister Tom Poston. Oh. Okay, I did not. I did not realize that, that was Tom Poston. Yes, that's the the triplets from Home Improvement. I I I wish that he'd had. Damn it! I wish he'd been doing his triplets from Home Improvement shit and being like funny <laughs> instead of just yeah. Instead of making me feel great. So Jamie Lee Curtis wearing this bikini that that Tim has bought for her. Uh, Tim wearing a speedo. They both get in their tanning beds, but then she's startled by someone coming into the tanning room. She hits her head on the thing. She has to go out front for a band aid, and she's in her bikini. And that's when uh, Reverend Tom Poston sees her, and then Tim comes out in his speedo and is talking to her. And like he's first questioning her about why they're not doing Christmas, but then he's just like, like gawking at her body, and she like is at like she's like trying to cover herself or looking for a towel, and she's like humiliated, and it's like just gross to me like the shame that she's like you know that's like how let's yeah let's shame this seemingly nice woman who happens to be whose only crime is marrying tim yeah Uh, who has a completely acceptable and fine normal body yes exactly exactly uh the one that looks the weirdest in this scene is tim allen who Listen, I, I'm not for body shaming in any way, shape, or form, but it, between the two, one looks comfortable in their body and one does not, and they are playing opposite roles here. Y- yes, yeah, and, like, I don't know, it, like, also just uh, something about, hey, we're making a movie with Jamie Lee Curtis in it, so we gotta have a scene where she's in a swimsuit. It's like, I don't know, man. Just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired, man. I'm probably gonna have to watch. My my parents love Trading Places, so I'm probably gonna have to watch Trading Places this year. And it's just it's a it's a difficult oh, season. Croyd. Yeah, another another Croyd film. It's a difficult season to have to see Jamie Lee Curtis um, 
you know, be put in situations where there's a lot more of her on display. I don't know. I don't know. I, who am I to say? She's All got right. free will. The whole thing, it, it, it's just a creepy, leery, gross, kind of kind of slimy feeling scene in the middle of the movie. It is. Uh, and to, let's just round that out by um, talking about the Botox scene. Okay, yeah, so a, a few scenes later, then she's at, Jamie Lee Curtis is at the hospital where she does some volunteering. She does not ha- seem to have a job. Uh, and Tim comes in while she's reading a, a story to some kids, and he has, he's got, like, Miami Vice-type Don Johnson suit on, but then also he has gotten Botox oh, injections, call. so his entire face is just super, like, stiff, and he can barely keep his mouth closed, uh, and he's trying to eat pineapple out of a cup, and the pineapple keeps falling out of his mouth, and there's this whole extended thing where they, like, have J- they have a monologue for Jamie Lee Curtis about how, like, we can't keep doing this. Like, look at the toll it's taking in our lives to skip Christmas. So there can just be extended cutaways to just, like, a, a long series of improv bits of Tim dropping pineapple out of his mouth or, like, trying to drop pineapple into his mouth and chew it with his neck tilted back. And he's, like, got water dribbling out of his mouth, which is, it's a lot of mouth sounds and it's it's unsettling. And... <laughs> But it's it's also just the most 2004 thing. Like they, yeah, it, it's not Tim's strong suit, and I feel like it's what he does the most. Like this is a Chevy Chase thing. Yes, if Chevy Chase. Oh, as much God. as I dislike that man, oh, uh, he'd be so good at this. Th- it's exactly up Chevy Chase's alley. You know, even I think Jim Carrey, who is more of a full body actor, would do something more with this. Tim Allen is not good at just like bits, you know, these little comic bits. He he he's a fine enough physical comedy actor and I think he can deliver a joke and has good timing, but this sort of like monkey monkeying around bullshit is just the least funny stuff that he does. But but it it's not his strong suit, but it's definitely he thinks it's his strong suit. It's it, his it, favorite exactly. stuff to do. He like he he always wants to do this stuff. I I think that like, look, his his he's a good enough physical comedian. I mean, his strongest suit would be playing like like a, a character actor who plays generals in war movies or something, <laughs> you know, or like playing yeah. playing like a stern stern cop on a CBS drama. Like, he's just he should be in dramas. He's not good at being funny. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Comedian Tim Allen, you heard it here first. I, I don't know, man. Did he star in a bunch of movies that were comedies that utterly tanked in the early 2000s, possibly <laughs> validating Truman's theory? Only time can tell. I, yeah, it, it's, but this scene is, it is very much a thing that like Botox was in the news at this point. I think this is around the same time there was a Frasier episode where Niles gets Botox, like one of those mm. weird artifacts. Botox is in the air, yeah. Yeah, like late, late run Frasier episodes that started leaning really heavily into the culture of the early 2000s. Like it, it it's just, it was a thing that was being, you know, Jay Leno was making jokes about it. Like Botox was like a, a punchline for like eight months. And I think that this scene got just grafted on. It's like, hey, you know, it'd be funny. Uh, which we we need something for the trailer. Which exactly the trailer leans heavily on this. I remember the the thing. If you asked me about Christmas with the Cranks before I saw it, I, I like when you were said we were going to watch it. I was like, great, that's the movie where Tim Allen gets Botox because that every trailer <laughs> ran with that. Uh, okay, so before we get too much further 
along. I mean, we're almost at the midway point here because uh, you're right. The middle of this movie is just montage of shenanigans and they're not funny or fun or anything. And it just one scene after the next, there's a movie uh, that it's a cult movie now for the people in the know, but I feel like even among cult movie enthusiasts, it's still like that movie exists. It's one of the last movies that John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd did together. Mm hmm. And John Belushi plays the straight man. Mm. Uh, he, It's him and his wife uh, and his daughter in a suburban home. And Dan Aykroyd and his girlfriend, wife, uh, Maul, maybe, mm. uh, move in next door. And Dan Aykroyd is this utterly insane force of chaos. You, you mean, got, you mean like, the actor Dan Aykroyd is an utterly insane force of chaos? Yes, I agree, Landon. The, char- the character. Oh. But maybe both. Yeah. But he's got like Eminem-style bleached blonde hair. Okay. He's got uh, incredibly light blue contact lenses. Oh, God. What, what is it with this guy in body horror? <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember, but I seem to remember... I, I, well, okay, I, 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 it's been forever since I've seen the movie, but I feel like there's some sort of like, if it's not explicit, there's some sort of underlying subtext of like, this dude might be a Nazi. <laughs> okay, okay, more, more fun from, from the Croyd. And so anyway, it, it feels like the inverse of this movie, and it feels more like what I want this movie to be, mm-hmm. which is just a normal guy living in an insane world yeah. or a normal guy that is being, you know, intruded upon by an insane person or concept mm-hmm. uh, and doesn't happen. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I, I I don't know why I went down that rabbit hole, but I, I think before we get too far, we have to mention also the cops. Yes. Uh, yes. Cheech Marin and Jake Busey are also <sighs> in this movie playing, playing police officers You who are also part of this insane neighborhood who are like, trying to sell him uh, the annual Christmas calendar and get a donation for their charity. And Tim Allen's like, we're not doing that this year. And they like straight up 1940s, you know, L.A. police corruption go, well, you know, things might get a little hard for you around here then. I get like it like I mean, for all this movie's other faults, I mean, at least it it seems to like identify the the manner in which many police departments basically function as glorified racketeering operations. So (laughs) I I guess Christmas with the Cranks said a cab. Um, Look, seeing seeing Jake Busey, who I know best from Starship Troopers, uh-huh. Um, a just seeing Jake Busey is always a delight because I feel like so often I see handsome, big-faced actors in movies from the early two thousands and think, "Is that Jake Busey?" And then it's not. So when it is, it's it's great. <laughs> seeing him with long hair and not the mobile infantry buzz cut, it's like, why was this guy not bigger? He is so handsome. He is such a snack. He could be a, an action that that is a face that can sell a movie. Well, I I mean. He's certainly popped up a lot in the late '90s and early 2000s. Uh, he was in. Uh, he was the main baddie in uh, Frighteners. Okay, Peter I Jackson's mean, movie. I, I okay. I guess. I guess what I'm saying is, yeah. Okay. It seems like he was in a lot of stuff. I guess I'm just saying I want him to be in more stuff, and more than that, I want him to be in stuff that I saw instead of things <laughs> that I didn't see. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah, this, this is making sense. 
Um, I, I, okay, wait, looking at his, uh, looking at his filmography, though, it is kind of funny that in 1994, Jake Busey was in both SFW and PCU. I mean, <laughs> makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, I've seen both of those. Uh, and you're thinking. Very different movies. Oh, shit. Jake Busey was in the movie Rust. Dr- uh, oh. with Alec Baldwin. Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> is that, well. Is that worth mentioning? Uh, Merry Christmas. Enjoy our comedy podcast. What do you think of, like, have you got any other thoughts on, on the on the cops in, in this movie? Um, No, just, well, they, they play a part later on, and I, I just didn't want to get us to the end where suddenly we have to talk about them and we've never introduced them. Th- that would be, that would be, that would be crazy. Look, this movie on, you know, again, on a structural level, this movie does a good job in the first half of setting up a whole bunch of different Christmas-related merchants who the Cranks have run afoul of, and then in the second half of the movie, forcing the Cranks to depend on those same people who now bear them ill will. Yeah, so talk about the structure a little bit. Okay, so look, what happens at this point, after just a bunch of mess-around, dumb bullshit montage stuff of not doing Christmas, at around the halfway mark of the movie, they get a surprise call from their daughter, who says, Mom, Dad, I'm coming home for Christmas. Surprise, I'm in Florida. I'm going to be here tonight. Like, it's Christmas Eve. They're packing their bags. They're ready to go. And they get this call. And she's like, I can't wait to introduce you. My, I've got my my boyfriend who I met in Peru, Enrique, is with me. And I can't wait to, to introduce him to you guys and give him his first American Christmas. And, oh, I can't wait for the annual Christmas party. I'm so, 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 so excited. And, and also getting married. And they're also, yes, of course, yes, her fiancé, Enrique, uh, her Peruvian fiancé. And so then at the at the word that her daughter is coming home, Jamie Lee Curtis immediately flips out, goes, well, she's already flipped out and gone bonkers when she hears that her daughter is calling. But then she goes double bonkers and tells her, oh, yes, we'll have everything ready. We can't wait to see you. And then the game of the next half of the movie is now we have to put together the entire Christmas party we do every year in like six hours. We have to decorate the house. We have to get a tree, everything. And I want to say that on just a structural level, on a conceptual level, like that is clever. A movie where it's like, this is about two people who don't want to do Christmas and, and are adamantly trying not to do Christmas. And then halfway through the movie, suddenly they have to do Christmas very hard, very fast that is a good concept for a movie. I have a lot of issues with execution, and what is just frying my brain is whether somewhat accomplished screenwriter Chris Columbus wrote a really crappy script, or if there was a better story here, and it just got edited and chopped to death, and big pieces of connective tissue got scooped out of the middle of it to make room for <laughs> Tim Allen having Botox, uh, Tim Allen getting a spray tan... And and then a lot of the messiness of the end of the movie is like, well, we scooped out connective tissue to make this mm-hmm. a slapstick movie, and now it's less than 90 minutes long, so we need to just figure out other, like, shit we can stuff in here to get us to, to 94 minutes. That that does sound like a, a executive note of, like, this Christmas feel-good comedy isn't quite comedy enough so you know we you have a it's mandated to be you know under hour 40 so you have to shoot you know these comedy slapstick scenes put them in there and then something's got to be excised so you know do we really need all that stuff with the cancer neighbor people people get get bummed out about cancer so let's just cut some of that out 
But, but let's not take out the cancer neighbor entirely. Let's have her get mentioned once and then again at the end, so people don't completely forget about the existence of cancer during their holiday outing to the multiplex. <laughs> um, yes, I, I have, uh, you know, during my, during my dalliances with trying to be successful as a writer, I worked with a couple of executives who... The, the 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 executive thing is to give a long list of things that you want to have in the movie that don't really fit in the movie, and then also give the note that the movie needs to be shorter. So it's like you need to put ten new scenes in the script, and you also and the script needs to be fifteen pages shorter. And uh, I think that Christmas with the Cranks may have suffered from that, because <laughs> I I think or that- or is it is it. And a, a brilliant script based on a shitty novel. I mean, uh, look, I, I think that there there are so many bits and pieces. Or So, okay, they, oh, our daughter's coming home. Ah, we have to get ready. Like, we have to get a Christmas tree. Tim goes to the Christmas tree farm. The same Christmas tree guy with the Boy Scouts who tried to sell him a tree earlier. Now there's no trees left, and this guy is stiffing him, and he gives him the shittiest tree. Like, A, the fact that... Again, all these characters are introduced at first and they come back later to, to you know, spit on him. It's like, well, that's clever writing. That's not something a bad writer would do. Right. Likewise, then what Tim winds up doing is he, one of his neighbors is about to go out of town for the holidays. And he, Tim goes to his neighbor and is like, hey, man, can I borrow your Christmas tree with all of your ornaments on it so my daughter will think it's Christmas? Like... That's a funny setup. That's a funny yeah. idea. I, I That's one of the strongest, like, notions and moments and bits in the movie. Like, so I, I see these shadows and ghosts of, like, a more competent script in here. And, like, that was uh-huh. probably the one scene that the executives were like, oh, yeah, I like that. That's funny. And it's like that got untouched, but the whole world was demolished around it. <laughs> I, um, I, I agree with you. Um. Which, okay, but th- this is also the point where, I, I don't know, the second half of this movie just really, there's a, there was a very slow fuse for my frustration with this movie. Mm-hmm. The first half of it that we've gone through, as insane as it was, I'm like, this is weird. This is Why is everyone being so fucking weird about Christmas? I don't like that I'm aligning with Tim Allen, but like I can at least understand what the story is. The turn it takes at the, the halfway point, Maybe it goes to the connective tissue missing that you were referring to, where Jamie Lee Curtis's attitude change is so breakneck in the opposite direction that I I have a hard time following the motivation for the second half of this movie. When she when Jamie Lee Curtis decides or gets the call from her daughter, she's coming home. Yeah, I feel like Tim Allen has the only. Well, maybe not entirely reasonable because he's like, uh, doesn't seem to give a shit at all that his daughter's coming home. Uh, he, he does not seem to care that much about his daughter. Period. When they are seeing her off to, to go to the Peace Corps, he is just bitching about why she chose to fly around Thanksgiving, the hardest travel date. Like it's like no, uh, d- no emotions. I'm a I'm a little more forgiving of that opening scene because I I maybe was projecting, but felt like I could see the like. Toxic masculine, like I need to mask my emotions. Mm. Like there, there's a little bit of a subtext to it. Sure, um, sure. I could have been putting that on where there wasn't any, but yeah, I mean, you, you had as far as then. outward emotion. Yeah, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> as far as outward emotion goes, he shows none. And in this scene in particular, he's just like, 
you you were going to be gone for a year. We spent $6,000 on this. Like, I don't, I don't think it would be completely out of the realm for him to go, oh, well, you're being a little presumptuous, honey. I mean, we paid for you to go to the Peace Corps, and you didn't give us any notice that you're coming back, and we have tickets to leave tomorrow to go on this $6,000 cruise. So, you know, let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah, interesting that they didn't, like have any contact with their daughter at all they didn't like presumably they uh, write letters or she calls them once a week or well, something like like and sh- they told her hey honey but uh, guess what we're doing like this fun thing that we're up to yeah Th- this is okay i one of the things i regret most about our time on grunt work is having spicy opinions about parenting however oh boy i more regrets <laughs> Here we go. The fact that Jamie Lee Curtis at one point points to Tim and says, don't you dare tell her that we were going to go on a cruise. Yes. To me, shows the type of parenting that brings up a daughter who just assumes that her parents are going to drop everything for her to make Christmas magical because she's coming home at her own agenda. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I guess I can't even get to the point of being mad at the daughter or her behavior because it's like everything in the second half of the movie is all about she's coming home, Blair's coming home, everybody, Blair's coming home. And like when the whole neighborhood, you know, they're, they're struggling and failing to get the house decorated. And long story short, the whole neighborhood hears that Blair is coming back and everyone who apparently everyone in the fucking neighborhood loves Blair so much. I guess she babysat everyone's kids and like shoveling everybody's wall. Like everybody loves her and the whole neighborhood pulls together to make the perfect Christmas thing at the house for Blair. But it's like, we don't know Blair. We have seen like, we've seen Blair in one scene and she seems like kind of just a young lady. She's pretty. I'll give her that. Uh, But I mean, she seems nice enough, but we don't get any glimpse into who she is, what she likes, what, her relationship with her parents right none of that and well and yeah i don't criticize her either it's it's the fact that jamie lee curtis's character is like we she cannot know we cannot break this like i wouldn't even doubt that she still thinks santa is is real well yeah yeah like that that's the toxic parenting that i'm i'm talking about that's a fair point that's a that's a fair point like the 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 fact that yes we can never let her but more than toxic parenting, though, it's just shitty writing. Like, which again is a thing that I feel like was shoehorned in. Because why can't you which tell is her that you were gonna skip Christmas this year? Like, wh- like why not? Like, the only reason is so to add the extra kind of you know juicing to these to these awful last forty five minutes of the movie of. Oh, they they have to do Christmas really fast, and it has to be a secret, and everyone has to keep it under wraps. Like it's farce for no reason, and like more like farts for no reason. Uh you know, you know what? This movie, I gotta say, unlike the Santa Claus, it doesn't have any farts in it, and um, maybe you would have picked <laughs> it up. Um, I, I, but so the fact that we have to, they, they have to do Christmas, it has to be secret. Also, Tim Allen, like, goes for like. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis completely turns on a dime, but then for the next 20 minutes of just, and it's just more montage bits than at that point of like Jamie Lee Curtis rushing to the store, trying to get the last ham. And it's this whole race for the last ham. And then 
Tim, you know, trying to get the Christmas the, tree and and oh, the cops the ham falling out of her bag and it rolling down the street and she has to chase after it and it gets run over by a truck. It gets planes, trains, and automobiles by that truck. It like it's the exact <laughs> sequence of shots of when uh, Steve Martin's hat gets run over by the truck. Um, <laughs> but you know, so it's that, or it's Tim getting picked up by the cops trying to take the Christmas tree from the guy's house across the street, and and it, all all of these bits. All of this running around and going on, and all of this chaos and commotion, and Tim is so committed to just like, okay, I gotta get the tree, and I've gotta do this, and okay, well, I've gotta decorate the house, I've gotta put Frosty up on the roof for our daughter, and so it's like, Jamie Lee Curtis has turned on a dime, and we're led to believe that Tim has turned on a dime too, because he seems now to be committed to all of this, but then... Then, you know, about 20 minutes later, when it's when they need a thing for Tim to be upset about, they bring it back around to him being like, well, I want to go on the cruise. Why can't we go on the cruise? Yeah, it's that that is weird and unmotivated. Uh, And I I, I'm still as much as I don't like how the movie's unfolding, I'm still on board with Tim here. Like, yeah, you should go on the fucking cruise. And yeah, yeah, I mean, yes. And whether he should go on the cruise or not, it's like, well, if you want to go on the cruise, why did you go speeding downtown to get a, a tree, really? Like, why did you, why are you abetting all of this? There, there comes a point in the movie, oh, actually, this is it. Tim Tim goes up to, he, to put Frosty the snowman up on the roof, the thing that the whole neighborhood has wanted him to do the whole time. He, he hauls this gigantic snowman up onto the roof. He's got no supports or anything, just a rope to pull him up there. And then... In the process, like, Dan Aykroyd sees this happening, and he and all of the other neighbors come out and and look up at at Tim up on the roof doing this. And then the snowman kind of falls over onto him, and he goes sliding down the roof, and the snowman flies off the roof and shatters on the ground. And then Tim flies off the roof, tangled up in the ropes, and is hanging upside down a few inches above the ground. And so... I mean, that's home improvement. That is just... That's that is, home improvement, that's, folks. That's home improvement. Uh? Multiple uh, episodes of home improvement. I, I mean, a bit that they do so much on home improvement that we're like, okay, we get it. He falls off the roof and he dangles. It's like, no, we need to do it in a movie, too. <laughs> it's too too good for the small screen. Um, I mean, uh, g- giving props to the, the stunt coordinators and everyone of the TV show in that it looks no better here than it did on a... <laughs> weekly sitcom which i guess that is saying something although they do have a very creepy cgi shot of tim flying off the roof and plummeting towards the camera yeah uh, which is true that don't don't like at all um (laughs) but he's dangling upside down there and then there's just like five minutes of him dangling upside down while dan Aykroyd and the neighbors are kind of around and making jokes and then uh, julia louis dreyfus arrives and and says get out uh, J.B. Lee Curtis <laughs> arrives and says, oh, what happened? What happened? Oh, my God. And they, the fire department comes. And for so, A, there's all of these bits of just, oh, wow, Tim, you're upside down. Yep, I'm upside down. Oh, you're upside down. Yeah, sure, I'm upside down here. Just, just milking the concept of Tim dangling. But then also when the firemen show up to cut him down, I'm kind of like, am I watching A Dog for Christmas right now? A movie that I, <laughs> well, to be honest, liked much more than I liked this movie. <laughs> there is uh, another similarity later on. Oh, yes. Is definitely A Dog for Christmas. Uh, but so they cut him down, and that's when he explains, you know, like, oh, 
the, the Croyd asks him, well, why are you doing all, why are you trying to get the house decorated now? And he, expl- you know, he tells the Croyd and the Croyd yells to the assembled neighborhood, like, oh, they need, you know, they, they need our help now. Everybody, you know, they can't get a turkey. Well, well, okay, this neighbor has a turkey and this neighbor has a ham and let's all come over and, and decorate their house because we need to do this for Blair. Everyone hears this. All the neighbors agree that they're going to, they're going to help out. Uh, now, Landon, you, th- this is the point. I texted you about this uh, as well. <laughs> this is the point in the movie when I figured, oh, okay, so we're we're what five ten minutes out, and then I I uh, looked uh, at the timeline and saw that I had about half an hour of movie left. Yeah, uh, you texted me. Uh, I want to I want to get the uh, the exact wording on this. Okay, your words were. I just want to look out for my podcasting buddy. There will come a point in this movie when you'll check the time wondering how much is left to wrap up and realize there's 40 minutes left and all of the hope for the future will leave your body. So <laughs> did did you so did you look at this at the same time? Like did, did was this the same uh same for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've been conditioned by all of movie history that once the ambulance has arrived, there's got to be like 10 to 15 minutes left of the movie. Exactly. They're going to wrap a blanket around his shoulders, and and then the, the someone will come over and kind of they're, tie up the loose ends. They're going to, yeah, they're going to realize, oh my god, we didn't mean it to get this far, and they give their apologies and you know acknowledge they have differences, and you know we end with a stupid joke that of like the the turkey that someone forgot in the oven, and you know smoke starts coming out of the window, and we're like, oh, we're back to normal. Somebody once told me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. It's it, this seems like a re- like okay they're gonna it's gonna be a few scenes of them all coming together to decorate the house and the daughter comes home and everybody's happy and I mean that's not wrong because that is what happens they just stretch those beats out for half so an hour long so fucking long painful about things that we that they sacrificed to make us care about. Yes. Like the last 20 minutes of this movie are Tim Allen giving the uh, sorry I'm speeding through this at this point but uh Tim Allen giving the the cruise away to his cranky neighbor that he gets a, doesn't get along with uh and his dying wife. Yes. Like that it's like I come over I'm going to you know uh he gives him something else first, doesn't he? Like, oh, the ham. Yeah. He brings over the ham. Yeah. He's like, hey, well, he's looking at the big party that's going on in his house that the entire neighborhood is, like, forcing upon them. And then he looks over and sees the two neighbors by themselves. Why aren't they at the <laughs> – they were grousing about Christmas, too. Why aren't they at the party? Um, yeah. She the- did say it's one of her good days, so come on, people. Why aren't, why aren't we going after after these two elderly couple? Yeah, well, and also, like, M. Emmett Walsh says, like, oh, we're going to come over to your party, but, you know, it started snowing, and it's like, you're across the street, dog. Like, <laughs> And there's not even really any snow on the ground. No. I, yeah, the M. Emmett Walsh. Well, I guess there is. Oh, I, I, sorry, I was looking at the wrong part of the movie, there, but yeah, right. Yeah, you live in Chicago. It's snow. I can walk across a snowy street, and I'm, I live in L.A. I, M. Emmett Walsh is in th- th- so little of this movie. I get another reason that I think, I think that there is a huge amount of connective tissue, good shit that had M Emmett Walsh and really built up their feud and their back and forth. And mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of good Croyd stuff in here. Cause it like Dan, Acro- Dan Aykroyd is really kind of 
peripheral to this movie, which he's wallpaper. He is. Yeah. Which and again, I, I'm I'm kind of more pro Croyd than you are. I th- I don't know. I I, I like. I agree he's a weird little gremlin, but I he's got a re, he's got a face and he's really given it all in in this role and in every role. And I don't know. I would have I, I don't know. There's the scene where Tim goes and is is making the deal with his neighbor to get his Christmas tree. The the kind of easy friendly repartee he has with the neighbor makes me realize like, well, you never really see Tim interacting with anybody but Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie like does he have friends were there other people who they did stuff with just to set the record straight i don't i can't stand the croyd when he's dancing that's Mm. that's my well if (laughs) they come close (laughs) (laughs) a little too close um the other we we mentioned him at the top but we he comes back in in the second half uh with the whole neighborhood and the party thing is Marty the Santa, the umbrella yeah. selling Santa. Yeah. Because that also feels like if you're going to excise anything, why wouldn't you excise that? It, well, it feels like such a half-baked idea uh, of like just like any other Christmas movie like this where it's like, is Santa real? Is that really Santa that came into our lives in that moment? I uh, I'm I'm so sick of that plot beat at this point. I just after the movies we've watched, I have had that just bash me in the face so many times. Because <laughs> at the end of this movie, after like Marty invites himself to this party, no one knows who the fuck he is, and Tim's like, "Oh yeah, right, you tried to sell me an umbrella once, and it didn't." He's like, "Well, now that there's bad weather tonight, it's the best night to sell umbrellas." And he goes out and gets in his like little VW Bug, and then. We, we pull back on the neighborhood and see the reindeer pulling the VW bug over the, the city. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not the movie we were watching. What the fuck are you ending this movie on? What kind of beat is this? Well, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the only reason that they kept that in is because the last shot in this movie, it's, you know, we very dramatically pull up from the crank standing outside their house full of happy people. We see the skyline of their entire neighborhood and the Chicago skyline beyond it. This is all CGI'd. And then the CGI reindeer pulling the CGI Volkswagen come flying up and, and into the camera. I think that they had paid for that and had rendered that. And the executives are like, well, we got it. We got to use the, we got to use that thing. I mean, it's, we paid for it. And the writers are like, well, yeah, but you made me cut out seven other scenes with Santa Claus that make it make sense. Yeah, but we paid for it. I put it in. I don't know why. That's not, that's not executive voice. I'm like, yeah, no, I just really think it'd be better if we just put it in there. You know, just, it's really pop on screen. And plus we paid for it. Yeah. All right. You use the word pop. That's the, that's the buzzword. That's the executive buzzword for sure. Yes. Well, and I, and that's why I have a pop shield on my uh, microphone because, um, (laughs) because I wanted to be able to make that joke. Wait. Could people even hear the joke? Oh no, no, they couldn't. I'll have to, I'll have to ADR in myself saying the p word so they know. Um, so like once, once, it, but like once the whole neighborhood gets to work decorating the house, it is like a fifteen-minute montage of just like shots of people running around, like picking stuff up and and arranging things and like stringing lights out on some bushes and the house is full of people unpacking boxes and there's so many bits where it's just they pointed a camera at Tim Allen they pointed a camera at Dan Aykroyd and they just gave them props and just said go and so yeah, it's 
a lot of shit that doesn't even make sense. Like this whole line of Jamie Lee Curtis having of not letting uh, their daughter know that they were going to go on a cruise. She's like, she can't see your tan. Yeah. And so she gives him this like face cream to put on to, to lighten his skin. Yeah. And like just a little bit of like, I don't, no one, I don't even remember that they went to it. You don't even have a tan. Yeah. So you're expect, expecting me to believe or remember this throwaway scene you had, you know, 40 minutes ago. And, and he, you know, he's got the face cream on and he goes, oh, I look like my mother after she'd been dead for 15 years. And then he like makes an exaggerated dead person face, like just Tim Allen clowning. And yeah, it's like, it's Tim, like, or like Tim is getting out decorations and there's these rolls of cinnamon and he's like, he's, it's just like multiple, we cut away, we come back to Tim and be like, does anybody know what this is? Know what this does? Is this even legal? And then it's like him miming it like it's a joint and he's lighting it up. And it's like, so we've <laughs> PG got- PG movie. So yeah, yeah, I know the kid, the kids are scratching their heads and the parents are just knowingly looking at each other like, oh yeah, this, this, this movie's cool. But we, we get, so there's all of this like, it just undermines like this notion of, oh, she's coming home any minute. We have to get everything ready. But then it's like, OK, but we're also going to clown around and goof and put on some face cream and make little uh, little little joint poses. Well, and then later, then later, when Tim is spontaneously mad again about not going on the cruise, it's like, well, you seemed perfectly happy and jovial earlier. What what's the <laughs> emotional through line? What are you feeling? What is anyone feeling? Mm. Uh, I mean, they have time to waste here because they they have the cops on the case uh, distracting the daughter and her fiancé as they pick her up from the airport and are driving her through the streets of Chicago on Christmas Eve. Uh, They they send the cops to pick her up. And it's like, ooh, police escort. And it's implied like it's going to be this luxurious thing. And I'm just thinking like... The backseat of a police car, I'm thankful enough not to have been in it, but A, I know it's not comfortable, and B, I promise you, a lot of people have pissed and thrown up back there. That is not like a... That <laughs> they is, clean it. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, and I bet the police are as thorough at cleaning that as they are at a lot of other <laughs> aspects of their job. Well, I'm sure, A, they probably don't clean it themselves, but they ride around in that all day. I would bet that they... They mandate they clean that. I, I I mean, look, we we could we could talk all night about the vagaries of how thoroughly cleaned police cars are. I just <laughs> and we're going to. So here's what I think they use to get into the cracks between the seats. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. But before before you go on to that, I should mention that one of the largest killers of police officers is staph infections from in, uh, contact with infectious diseases. <laughs> so I certainly hope that uh, Blair and her boyfriend Enrique both washed their hands after they got to the crank oh house. All right. Um. But yeah, no, the, so the cops are, are, so there's this extended bit of like, the cops have them in the car, but it's like they're driving super slowly, and then it's they, you know, they've got to stall for time, and then they pull over and to to fake investigate a crime, but then oh, it turns out a person's actually breaking into this thing, and there's an extended bit of of Jake Busey trying to chase the guy and like doing a trip and fall pratfall, and then they tackle the, the burglar, just... It's like the cops are stalling for time, and then the movie <laughs> the, itself is stalling for time. Yeah, this this moment, I think, really encapsulated the humor of this movie to me. And I'm using humor in massive air quotes. I can when hear When Jake them. Busey tackles the, uh, the criminal onto the police car, the, the criminal's face smashes up against the uh, back window where 
Blair daughter and, and her Blair and Enrique are sitting, and they scream as if it's a severed head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's. Can you believe? <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't even put myself in the mindset, the fake mindset of this. Of why would you ever? scream bloody murder at that like yeah you'd be like oh my god that is shocking what what calm down a little bit like do i need to get my camera out here uh you wouldn't you wouldn't be screaming as if this was a horror movie it's it's like it would be one thing if you were just sitting there and that head flew out of nowhere and smashed against your window but it's like you saw the guy one second ago you know he's down there you know he's being arrested also this whole this whole mess of getting the guy and arresting him, it's like, I'm thinking like, okay, so it sets up the bit then of now the bad guys in the back of the car with Blair and Enrique. Yeah, right. Nope. Nope. The cops, <laughs> the, when when the cops get her, get them home and they come inside and I'm like, okay, so the, that just didn't happen at all. Oh no, the guy's still in the back of the cop car. They just decided not to do any bits. Like they, they, they did the legwork to get a bad guy in the back of the car with the daughter and her her fiance and they just leave the money on the table they don't they decide not to do anything <laughs> well there's uh, maybe too much money thrown at this i, I mean it, it's like they could have if you're trying to stall for time the thing you stall for time with is like one minute of them arresting the guy and then five minutes of the guy in the back of the car being weird with them and that whole situation instead it's five minutes of the cops wandering around going like oh we got to stall for time uh and none of him it, yeah so they they get they get home they, like the cops get in with the daughter and it's just in time and everything's great and they're playing the christmas one of two christmas songs i really like uh christmas the snow's coming down um and it's one of these moments like the police cars coming down the street and all these kids on bikes are riding around it escorting it and everyone's cheering and happy to see her and i'm watching it like Man, if this movie was good and had earned this moment, I'd really be feeling something right now, you know? If I hadn't mm. just been watching mess arounds. It's an image. Yeah, I'm not gonna I, I had the same <laughs> thought actually. It's an image, Raves Landon Solano. <laughs> Lights and colors in front of my face. <laughs> well, no, in that moment I kinda understood why people love Christmas movies. Like yeah. there is a there is something to be captured and it it's I, partly why I kind of hate the holiday, but I understand it. Like that, what it's trying to evoke is fake and doesn't exist. It's not real, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. it's it's addictive and you it's aspirational and you want to believe that Christmas is going to be that way. Mm-hmm. I tend to believe the thought of that makes Christmas suck every year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is just me though. I mean, I think it's it contributes to disappointment. It's like the the Disney princess conundrum for people trying to find love. You're mm-hmm. never going to find your your white knight, your handsome prince. That's just not how love fucking works. Yeah. Yeah. I no, I I This isn't how Christmas works. And yeah, I agree, because, like, what I thought the movie was going to do with it is they have pulled out all the stops to to make a perfect Christmas, but then it falls apart, and they're, like, crestfallen, but their daughter is just so excited to see them because she's missed them, and it doesn't matter, and everybody learns the true meaning of Christmas. But, no, she just gets there, and yeah, it's the perfect Christmas that everybody wanted, and everything's great, and then she comes inside... <laughs> With her with her fiance, and it's just a big, lovely party full of people. And okay, well now now clearly, like what two three minutes left? Nope, nope, fifteen minutes. There's 
like so mm. there, you know the, the it it turns out mike the umbrella guy spent some time in not mike marty whatever the umbrella guy who's actually santa claus oh he turns out he spent some time in peru and he speaks spanish and so then there's an extended scene of him and Enrique singing a Peruvian Christmas song while the neighborhood accompanies them on pan pipes and the cops are playing guitar and the Croyd has an accordion. And then after, and we get the full song. They sing the entire song. There's a lot of weird, awkward cutaway shots of people, of extras dancing. And then that song is over with and Enrique thanks everybody. And then... Dan Aykroyd is like, let's do another one. And then he starts <laughs> playing some boogie woogie song on the accordion and people start dancing and we see most of that song. And I am, that that was the point where I was like, if if they, if they the Croyd dances, um, I don't know if I'm going to have a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, mm-hmm. he does not. Mm-hmm. He does not. Thank God. It, he will not expose me to any more Dan Aykroyd dancing. But it's, dur- it's during all of this then that Tim go you know sullenly then goes into the kitchen and jamie lee curtis follows him and is mad at him for not being like sufficiently thankful or not giving a merry christmas he didn't say merry christmas and a toast that that he gave to the neighborhood and then he's and then suddenly he's glum and mopey again about like not being able to go on the vacation it's like well we could go on the cruise tomorrow we could leave tomorrow wait a minute hold on a second what i know like james patterson he has basically turned his name into a pen name for other writers to use. Yeah. Is John Grisham a pen name for Kirk Cameron? Mm, mm, I see. I see. So this is uh, so this is kind of like the prequel to Saving Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, sk- skipping Christmas and saving Christmas seem like very different things. And I feel like Kirk as i can as i recall the message of saving christmas is that christmas materialism is actually great and and part of christmas <laughs> so well i i think it's mostly maybe that's the the through line of it but the the trailer was at least like how dare people not say merry christmas at christmas time mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm going <laughs> i am taking the opposite stance of this movie uh and i'm going to be being more christmasy and making sure that everyone knows the meaning of Christmas so that they'll say Merry Christmas. I see. I see. I feel like if if Kirk Cameron truly was the scribe behind this movie, uh, then we would have actually had the catharsis of Tim saying Merry Christmas at the end of the movie. The thing he's <laughs> sworn not to do, that does not happen. Um, no. Well... Jamie Lee Curtis comes in. She's mad at him. And he's like, oh, we could still take the trip. I want to take the trip. Oh, fuck you. You're, you know, you, uh, whatever. And and then he's sitting there alone being sad. That's when he sees M. Emmett Walsh and his wife alone. And he goes across and does the whole thing with, hey, I want to give you guys this cruise. I just want to say this about the cruise thing. We talked about it some already, but going to M. Yeah. M. Emmett Walsh and like, for, first he brings them the ham and is, you know, it's just like him extending an olive branch. What, what a weird gift. He gives them this ham, this canned ham, and M. Emmett Walsh is like, oh, well, we don't really eat meat. And Tim is like, oh, well, don't worry. It's mostly gelatin anyway. So it's like, so they take it. It's like, okay, so first thing he does is he foists meat on two people who don't want meat. Hey, Landon, I just sent you some Omaha steaks. I know you don't eat meat, but enjoy. Also, I have to cook it today because it's Christmas Omaha steaks. Exactly. And they take literally half a day to cook. And it's... (laughs) 8 p.m. So 
It, Thank you. It, it, it's it's the reason for the season, man. Enjoy. Enjoy this task <laughs> I've set up for you. Um, but then and then he tells them, hey, I want, you know, I've got this cruise. I want you to take, I, I want you to, to, to take the cruise for me. And, but, it, and, and there's just all of this, like, bullshit of, of them, like, being, you know, oh, no, we, we couldn't, we couldn't possibly, I mean, you know, it's not good with my cancer diagnosis and, and you know, all of this. And he's just like, no, no, please, this is no strings attached. You don't have to pay me. Just take the cruise. And they're suddenly like, it, there, there's a moment here in this where it, it almost feels like Midwest politeness, where she's not just like having the right emphasis that she needs to go, oh, we'd love to, but I, my doctor says that I cannot get on a plane. She's like, oh, I, I don't know. My cancer diagnosis maybe says I can't fly right now. Uh, where She has legitimate excuses not to take this. And. And, and like, and also, lots of people have legitimate excuses to not want a cruise. Like, the thing about a cruise is that it's not like money, where it's just like everybody has a use for money. Everyone can find something to do with money. <laughs> right. Not everyone is going to value a cruise the same way. I don't know that <laughs> I like because also it's I like, have motion sickness. It sounds like the worst thing in the world to me. The the woman has, I would I would take those Omaha steaks over. Over a cruise. You you could just keep them frozen and hold them to your forehead to quell the headache you have from having to live in Tim Allen's neighborhood. Yeah. I, but, like, the, the wife has terminal cancer. They have established that her cancer is back and she may not live to see the next Christmas. And they're saying, like, like if I had terminal cancer, I don't think I'd want to be on a cruise. I don't want, like, I don't know. Some what, people would. Maybe, but like I don't know what your health situation. Like she has good days and bad days where she doesn't have. She has varying amounts of of energy. Also, the cruise is in less than twenty four hours. Their flights leave tomorrow at noon, so it's like drop everything, go on this. Do you have your medications in order. Yes. Do you have any doctor's appointments? Yes. <laughs> like. And and also she she says at one point to Tim, it's like, oh well, our names aren't on the tickets, and he says, don't worry, I'll sort that out. It's like really. Three years after 9-11, you just call the airline and say, hey, the people getting on my flight tomorrow are going to be different people. <laughs> That's okay, right? I, I it, it's, it, it made me, it, I, I, I've said with a couple of the movies we've watched that it's dumb, but I'm not mad at it. This is dumb, and I am mad at it. It's just, like, like, it, it. Why? We we haven't even built up M. Emmett Walsh as, a, as, like, his nemesis. I don't know why they don't like each other. I barely even remember that they don't like each other. And this is meant to be, like, <laughs> Mother Teresa-level shit. Yeah, I, it's... Yeah. I'm not... Maybe I'm just worn down at this point. I'm not even going to remotely defend this movie. But, um, I don't know. It's not Zoom-level hatred for me. Maybe I was just in a bad place when we watched Zoom. I'm not sure, but... I, I th- I'm gonna forget this movie. Sure, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> I I look. I I agree. I'm, I, gonna, I'm gonna go in two years. I'm gonna go back and try to watch Christmas of the Cranks and about to hit play. And go. What <laughs> I've already watched this. Uh, what? Why? Why are you gonna go? You're you're gonna you're not gonna try to watch it. You'll have TNT on at your parents' house, and it will come on halfway <laughs> through, and you'll watch thirty minutes of it, and then be like, wait, wait a second, um. I want to say I want to say two because like we're basically at the end of the movie. I want to like I want to say yeah. two other things. I have two other big points to make. If that's okay with okay. you, all right. Yes. So yeah. one thing, as Tim is walking across the street in the first place to go to his neighbor's house, at some point in the setup, they had one of the neighbors bring their Frosty the Snowman over to replace the one that broke on Tim's roof. The guy is hoisted yep. it up there, 
But then when Blair arrives, Dan Aykroyd just tells him to hide behind Frosty so that Blair won't see him on the roof. Because if Blair knows that they just finished decorating the house... Um, All hell will break. What what will happen? I, I what don't, will happen? What will happen? That's what I want to know. Who the fuck cares? Why does this Blair hold so much power over this neighborhood? Why why does this why does this wealthy white only child like have to have everything? Why must every I and maybe I'm I'm a casting maybe I'm looking at a mirror right now and looking at myself. But I just like why must her life be perfect? It already seems like shit's going pretty well for her. Uh, anyway, but t- so she's not n- going to be able to cope with the the curveballs life has to throw at her. I'll tell you that much. She's not going to be able to cope with this the is jungles the birth of, of a Karen. This is what the birth of a Karen. Yeah, <laughs> that is very true. That is very. This is patient zero of being a Karen. Um, but when Tim is first walking out of the house to go to MM at Walsh's, he hears the neighbor on the roof who's who's trapped with Frosty yelling, help, help, Lucas, help. And he turns, he's got a glass of champagne. He turns, he looks up, and all he sees is Frosty. And then he looks at the champagne he was drinking, shakes his head, and dumps it out. And I, <laughs> to see the gag that we've talked about 10 million times finally happen in one of our movies, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I was hooting and hollering. That was pretty fun. <laughs> So the the anyway, like Tim uh, has given them the thing. He goes back to the house. Uh, Marty Santa Claus leaves Marty and gets in his uh, his Volkswagen and drives off. And then Jamie Lee Curtis runs out of the house and says, "Oh, M. Emmett Walsh's wife just called me. You're so sweet. I guess I didn't mean all that stuff from earlier. Just like just wrap it up, guys. Get the get, tie the loose ends." <laughs> And so they're standing outside their house looking at in at all of their their laughing neighbors and family having a good time and and t- t- okay these are the last two lines of the movie they're standing there Tim says this night was full of surprises skipping christmas what a stupid idea and then Jamie Lee Curtis says maybe next year and then the camera just pans back over the whole neighborhood and Santa Claus flies past <laughs> just a ridiculous just like the movie just stops the movie should have ended long ago and then it just is like well we're done that that, those were the cranks this is christmas you have received your you know legally you got the movie this i said this earlier and i want to come back to it now this movie at its core is anti-christmas this is antithetical to what christmas is supposed to be about i don't think it is okay i I, I want to hear your case i I totally recognize and respect and understand how you feel about Christmas. I kind of like Christmas. Just zero religion or anything. I just like that's the time of year that I fly back to Oregon and I hang Mm -hmm. out with my parents and I see all my friends. And it's it's a nice time. I I like I like that stuff. Um, It has nothing to do with the holiday or or whatever. But like the, the whole... The whole thing of this movie is is everybody has to drop what they're doing. Everyone has to come together to create the perfect Christmas party so we can we can make their their daughter think that they were doing Christmas the whole time. So it's like the 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 whole point of this movie, the whole the whole like the stakes of this movie is we need to make sure there's lots of decorations and presents and food mm-hmm. and nice things. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the material trappings of Christmas must be there yeah. in order for this person to be happy. And we also have yes. to lie to our fa- uh, to lie to her about what we were doing. And we have to keep this lie up. And that's correct. so that, I mean, that's not th- that any other Christmas movie 
right on down to Santa Karn in A Dog for Christmas <laughs> will tell you that's not what Christmas is about. It's about being with your loved ones. And this movie suggests that being with your loved ones, sure, but there has to be all of this other superficial bullshit on top of it. All the stuff that you hate is actually very important and you have to lie to your loved ones. And... Mm-hmm. That sounds like Christmas to me. <laughs> that's just such... like, I, And look, I'm not... like, I'm, That is such a... a cynical take for this movie mm-hmm. to have and this movie does not think that's a cynical take that movie this movie is being very earnest and thinks like expects your heart to grow 10 sizes that day at the notion of like wow is, they put up all the tinsel in time for christmas to be good you're touching exactly on why i hate christmas now listen i i, I don't think my parents will ever listen to this but i i want to be very explicit about this i enjoy the time of spending it with my family. All the things that you're saying you like about Christmas yeah. are things that I enjoy. I hate the religion around Christmas, and I don't mean the religion of Christmas, you know, uh, that I don't, the I Christmas mean, as a religion, not the Christian holiday of Christmas. Yeah. I'll, Does I'll, that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Although there are some aspects of Christianity that I do ha- have some bones to pick with, but let's not oh. wade into that at the end of the show. Go on. All right. I the To me, the holidays, Christmas is such a hypocritical season because it is all about that shit. It's about obligation rather than... Uh, humanity and compassion. Yes. It's about expectations and it's about, you know, the, what people tell themselves to make them feel better about their lives. Oh my God, I'm getting real dark. I'm so sorry. I, I, I mean, look, this is, this is a movie that, that starts with a depressed couple uh, solemnly acknowledging that it's time to help their daughter fly the coop. So th- this movie is already yeah. in a dark place. I, I'm just saying it, to me, Christmas is about everyone says it's about family, but the, like the 364 other days of the year, do they give a shit about family? Do they give a shit the way that they give a shit at Christmas mm. about family? Mm. It's it's obligate. It's not it's not from the heart. It's because you're expected to. It's the it's it's like the path of least resistance. It's one. It's the one day a year you can absolve yourself from being a shitty, selfish person, which we all are. I'm including myself that. I just embrace that I'm a shitty, selfish person 365 days a year rather than 364. Landon, you keep talking that way. You're going to get an unwanted visit from three ghosts, buddy. I've, uh, I've, se- <laughs> I've seen a few movies, and I, uh, I, I know what the first <laughs> act of them great. sounds like. Awesome. My my entire ploy to prove the existence of ghosts is coming to fruition. <laughs> but uh, uh, b- bad news though, all three ghosts are Slimer, and uh, your hot dogs are um, all the, all those Christmas hot dogs you bought. Well, you're gonna have to buy more. I I got a I got a I got a purpose for those Omaha steaks now. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Slimer with a mouthful of steaks. There's your there's your image to go out on. Um. Yeah, so I mean, I I don't know. Do you have do you have any more to say about about the cranks? Do you want to crank it any further? Uh, I got some un, untapped notes, but I don't think they're very interesting. Uh, You've got some when un, he's putting cranked. Oh, okay. When he when he's putting ice on the the this is kind of interesting. When he's putting ice on the sidewalk to yeah. deter people from coming, like we we've come to a point in movies in two thousand four where like that's just like shenanigans like that's a ha 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 look at him doing that to keep everyone away can't we all have a laugh but in 
reality, like you, especially here in, in the the snowy states, like you are responsible for having a, a clear driveway and sidewalk so that people you're you're liable. Yeah, if someone slips and falls on your on your property, that dude's gonna have so many lawsuits on his hands. I, I, yeah, I know. It, it's it's like there is honestly for a John Grisham novel, I kind of expect the the rest of it to just be the courtroom <laughs> proceedings of the multiple civil suits he's incurred from the mailman, from the carolers. <laughs> yes. Um, the other uh, there there's we touched a little bit on this with the the Santa thing, but there are like these little hints throughout the film of like a sort of mysticism that never quite go anywhere. And I, I think it's also part of this like uh cliff notes version of comedy that we've just got to at the point in 2004 where like Tim Allen's talking to um, Dan Aykroyd at one point, And I think it's when Dan Aykroyd is like trying to hoist the, put your frosty up flyer mm-hmm. uh, on him and yeah. Tim Allen takes it and like starts talking and he turns away. And when he turns back, like Dan Aykroyd's gone and there's this little like uh, wind chime noise on the soundtrack to go like, yeah, where did he go? It's like <laughs> literally right across the street. He lives across the street from you. <laughs> like he can't, he doesn't teleport. He just walked away from you. You should still be able to see his backside walking away from you. Yeah. And, and we want to see the Croyd's backside. I, oh, well, Watch nothing for trouble, nothing uh, but trouble. I, I would, I, I would, I don't want to incur that kind of trouble. I no, I agree. <laughs> Early on in the movie, they are really trying to position the Croyd as this like almost you know otherworldly impish figure. I, I don't know who like is the master of the universe, and then he just kind of okay. becomes a guy, and it's like, well, I, it, I it, now he, this would be an interesting concept if there's this kind of war on Christmas happening where. Croyd is like Krampus in disguise, Croydus. and Marty, the umbrella salesman, is Santa in disguise. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah! It's like it's like a Good Omens thing, or it's like some kind of like yeah. they, they've made a, a wager between between Krampus and Santa, and like and, they, and this they've street. chosen they've chosen the one neighbor, uh, which is the Tim Allen family that aren't going to celebrate Christmas, and they're like, okay, that's our target. If you can get him to not celebrate Christmas and I can get him to celebrate Christmas, that's how we're going to find balance in the this season. Yeah, that's great. There, there, There's kind of a lot of ways that this could have worked. There's a lot of directions they could have taken this. There's a lot of stuff they could have done to make a good movie out of this bad movie. We, which is just like, it's it's with A Dog for Christmas, it's like that movie never had a chance and I am just <laughs> reveling in it. And with Little Bigfoot 2, it's like that movie that movie had nothing going for it, but they still did a bunch of weird zany flourishes that I enjoy. This movie had every available advantage and it just shit itself so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Hollywood for you. That is Hollywood. Speaking of Hollywood, I should I should mention a production detail I found on Wikipedia. That okay. they for this set like for this movie they built the neighborhood like the entire exterior they they like uh, let's see the, the direct quote uh, over the course of twelve weeks hundreds of carpenters plasterers and painters built what would become the largest exterior set ever for a movie at that point more than seven hundred feet long including sixteen different houses and there were the core five houses belonging to the cranks to the Croyd, and then to, I guess, like, three other families who... We never been... even see the Croyd's house. We never see the Croyd's house. 
We never see the Shields. I don't even think we see the outside of his house. The the Shields, the Beckers, and the Trogdons. Well, I know that the Shields is M. Emmett Walsh. No idea yeah. who the Beckers are, unless that's the family of Walt Becker, the member of Steely uh, that Dan. That might be the house where they uh, uh, steal the Christmas tree from. No, the Trogdons. That's the house that they steal the Christmas tree from. I know only because oh. they listed that on the Wikipedia page I've been following on. But it's like, so they, they, but they, like, they, these houses, the, the core five had full ground floors that are dressed and that you can see into. So, like, th- this, they, they built this entire neighborhood, this massive, massive set for this shitty, shitty movie. And they, the, the producers had the intention of then later leasing this out for other movies and TV shows and commercials. But then, however, due to health complaints from locals over toxic residues and a lack of profit, the studio closed in 2012 and was raised to build a mall. So, for for Christmas with the Cranks, they had an army of craftsmen build an entire fake neighborhood with a huge level of fidelity and detail, made this crap movie that got cut to shit, no one remembers it, and then they bulldozed that stuff a few years later. (laughs) <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay. Let me, uh, that brings up an interesting thought to me, and maybe we can use this as a segue out of this, which is um, Christmas movies are odd, and I can see why a studio would throw a lot of money at a Christmas movie to do something like that. Because if you, okay, A, they are often, um, surprisingly successful like Mm -hmm. you might have a sleeper christmas hit on your hands and not know it yeah so and if you do then that's profit for yourself every single year because people revisit the same more than any other holiday even halloween Mm -hmm. people revisit the same christmas movies over and over and over so if you're able to tap into that elf to that home alone to that uh uh christmas vacation like Pantheon, you're made in the shade. Yeah. I mean, that's going to just be a moneymaker for you for the rest of time. Yep, that's that's very true. I don't know. I guess I, I, I guess I love that someone once had high hopes for this. I, I, I mean, I guess it's coming off of a book by an established novelist that must have been somewhat popular. It was built in IP. Everything, everything on paper makes sense. You've got the, one of the biggest stars in the world I don't understand. You've got an incredible supporting cast of... Yeah. of comedic players uh you've got uh, a well-established christmas writer uh yeah. and you who who at this point had produced three harry potter movies yeah yeah uh, some of the biggest movies ever like on paper this all makes sense and, and i mean also it's worth noting that the uh, there's a recurring child character in the movie who at one point uh, oh, yeah. gets full, from Malcolm in the middle yeah he gets full body tackled by tim allen which is a strange scene that we don't really need to talk about but it's odd to have it there <laughs> but yeah this this kid who plays dan Aykroyd's son although they're never really on screen together is the cute kid from malcolm in the middle which was a huge show on tv at the time like yeah like again everything here should have worked. You have a great concept. You have a a great cast, with maybe one exception, and and you have <laughs> you have like you know, seven hundred feet of houses. You have a fake Illinois suburban <laughs> neighborhood built in Downey, California, like and and yeah, it's it's it all worked on paper, and and 
you know, I, look, at the end of the day, I still lay this at the feet of uh, whatever brilliant uh, executive uh, thought that we needed a Tim Allen Botox scene in this movie. <laughs> I I 100% will lay that there with you. Thank you. Thank you. So you don't have to bear the weight of carrying it to their feet. <laughs> Good. Thanks. It, you know, that's what Christmas is all about, is having someone there to uh, help you carry your grievances. So now what? Oh. <sighs> Well, Truman, that's Christmas for grunt work. That's a wrap on Christmas, everyone. <sighs> Oof, yeah, I mean, well, look, uh, yeah, th- this Christmas we gave you our heart and then some. <laughs> We've done Christmas with the Cranks, mm-hmm. A Dog for Christmas, I'll Be Home for Christmas, The Santa Claus 1, 2, and 3, um... Is that it? I mean, we've done Home Improvement episodes, Christmas episodes, but... Yeah. there. I feel like, more than anything, Christmas has been celebrated here on Grunt Work. Uh, yeah, more than a... You know, this step back, lighting up the tree at Rockefeller Center, we're the ones who are really celebrating... <laughs> yeah, no, we've we've celebrated the crap out of it. I mean, I think that I think that we I think we do a pretty good job of celebrating April Fool's Day. In fact, I think we enjoy that a lot more than Christmas on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, but I think I think we we've covered it. I don't there don't seem to be any other Christmas movies for us to do, thankfully, because Lord knows if they existed, we'd have to do them. Well, I think we've only got oh my god, Truman, listen, we only have four episodes left Oof. of grunt work. That's we're down to it. That's that's honestly, I'm more emotional now hearing this than I ever was about the show ending. Maybe because I am, <laughs> let's be honest, having more fun watching the movies than I was watching the show. Oh, four episodes left. We've got three movies, and then we're gonna do a big wrap up grunt work spectacular. Yep. Uh, talking, we're gonna we're gonna revisit the show a little bit. Uh, you know, it's gonna be about grunt work, not just about home improvement. Yeah. So, um, th- we have that to look forward to in the new year, but uh. We we still let's keep on track with some movies, and I think I think we're gonna finish out not all of, but at least the big hits of Tim Allen's filmography because that's what got us here in the first place. Mm-hmm. You got to dance think, with the one who brung you. Okay, I'm gonna put it to you. Do you want to be somebody, or do you want to get into some trouble next week? Oh, do I want to be somebody or be somebody's fool? Um, you know. <laughs> I, let's let's get into some big trouble next week. Let's we should do them in the okay. in the order that they came out and got disrupted by a terrorist attack. So we should do big trouble. Oh, okay, well that's the reverse order. Wait, but no, I that's thought okay. I thought big trouble was slated for September and Joe Somebody was a December release. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. The the, the the when they were originally slated, not when they actually were released. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I, that's okay. what I mean. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to do them in the in the original order, the way the way that <laughs> okay the, the way that God, God intended, intended before Al Qaeda got in the way. <laughs> All right, then uh, next week we're gonna do Big Trouble. I gotta be honest, I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Yeah. I remember really liking Big Trouble when it came out. It was right in my like. Uh, I don't know, right in my Tim Allen wheelhouse. I hadn't quite like let go of him from Home Improvement yet, and I was still excited to see him in movies. So, um, and memory serves, it was kind of a, a good role for him. But um, Lord knows, I've been proven wrong <laughs> over the last seven years. So, Landon, I, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell. Like, I'm excited too. But if if he if he takes his shirt off, or so help me God, if he wears a <laughs> short sleeved shirt. I am I I am going to put coal in your stocking and I'm going to light it on fire and burn down <laughs> well, your house. Shit. I know he wears a short sleeve black shirt in this movie. So Oh god. Uh, I guess uh I more power to me cuz I love 
Cool. More power. More more dirty power. We've we've forgotten how to grunt, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I know. It's good. That that shows that healing is possible. Um... Okay. Okay. Well, All great. right. Big Trouble, uh, based on a book by Dave Barry, which I have read, interestingly enough. But I'll tell you more ew, next ew. week. Okay. Yeah. So I tr- can't wait. Truman, so, reading uh, a book? What? Tr- join us next week for Big Trouble from 2002, uh, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Um, and uh, if you want to help us uh, transition to the next show, which we will be announcing in our Grunt Work Super Spectacular... Uh, you can help us do so by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where for as little as $1, but as much as you want as your heart and wallet can give, mm-hmm. you can get access to our entire library of Gruntwork Nights episodes. And um, should mention those will be ending at the end of uh, Gruntwork as well, but you can continue to support us if you'd like because it goes directly into making sure the mics are plugged in, not only for grunt work, but our next show. Yes. Uh, and we really appreciate it. Um, stop by to say hi to us on Instagram, at gruntworkpod. Uh, we've had one or two people over there, lot really active on uh, Instagram lately. So uh, I might not post there, but I definitely check it. So uh, And then I run things by Truman every once in a while. <laughs> they, that's great. That's A, that's the ultimate communication method, is Landon being the filter. for. That's the only way I, I should interact with any of you. Uh, B, I do love that r- just right as we're on our way out the door, that's when everybody wants us because they know that we're going away. We've made ourselves scarce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, leave us a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these shows. It goes a long way. Uh, blah blah blah. You know this rigmarole. Yep. Um, you can find more inf- information on today's episode and find all of our past episodes on our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Maybe I will put together a slash Christmas for all of our Christmas episodes. <laughs> I not not a bad idea, honestly. <laughs> uh. And until next week, when we bring you big trouble, not in Little China, just in general. In regular-sized America, yeah. (laughs) I have been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, Common Sense Media gave Christmas with the Cranks one out of five stars, writing, The characters are unpleasant, the jokes are unfunny, and the sentiment is hypocritical, so this movie is about as unappetizing as last year's Biggie Pudding. (laughs) 